All right, so welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. I am Debbie Marcoux, and I am the Mortgage Mom, and today I am bringing you our home buyer workshop. We're gonna start at the beginning, and we are going to work our way all the way through closing. So that is going to encompass everything that you need to know. We're gonna go through some terms and definitions. We're gonna talk about closing costs, getting yourself pre-approved. We're going to talk about your closing disclosure, picking your real estate agent. Once you get into escrow or you've got your contract signed, so you may not be in escrow state, this show is going across the nation, but this is going to relate to everybody. And if you are in a particular state, let me know that you're out there and you're watching. You're more than welcome to ask me questions. We are licensed in 13 different states, or I am licensed in 13 different states. So if you happen to be in a state that I am not licensed in, I will absolutely tell you that I don't know the answer uh, if that is the case. So we do want to make sure that you're getting the correct information. But as far as loan programs go, what is available, down payments, things of that nature, all of that information is going to stay the same across the nation. So here we go really quick. We're going to go ahead and jump in and get started. So as you guys can see, you've got my name there, Debbie Marcoux, my license number. Uh, I am a uh, licensed loan officer with the NMLS, which is the National Mortgage Licensing Service. And you guys have what you need there to find me if you wanted to check into uh, me and my history. So on your screen, you guys will see that I have the Mortgage Mom Radio phone app. As I mentioned right before we went to the blank screen, is that we are going to be playing some games today. In order to play, you guys do not need to have our phone app. Now there are two phone apps for Mortgage Mom Radio. One is actually in the App Store or the Google Play and that is not where you're going to get the app that we are utilizing today. The app that I am talking about is my tools app. It is not the app that we use uh, for you once you are in process and you are in the middle of a loan application. You're not uh, utilizing this for those reasons. You're not signing disclosures. This is 100% a tool app. This is so that you've got the tools at your fingertips to shop for a home. This phone app is awesome for real estate agents and buyers both. Um, if you're thinking about refinancing your home and you're a homeowner, this application works for you as well. It's got some really great uh, calculators in there. You can listen to the YouTube. You can watch the home buyer presentation again down the road. If you want to uh, re-listen to something that I said, you can contact us through this uh, app. Really super cool, but the calculators are pretty awesome. And to play the game, to win your t-shirts, you guys need to have this. So in order to get it, you are going to text the word mom to 844-935-3634. That's 844-WE-LEND-FOR-YOU. W-E-L-E-N-D and the number four. If for any reason you text that and it does not work for you, then just go on over to our website. Go to mortgagemomradio.com and there is a button where you can get the phone app there. You can also put your comment into the feed and let us know that you can't get the app and then I will have uh, Heather, who's here helping me today, she will actually be able to text you back. Um, so just please, uh, if you can't get it for some reason, let us know. The only time I've seen that happen is if you have actually texted us before. So you won't get that automated first reply with the link to that phone app. But all you're going to do is text the word mom to 844-935-3634. That's 
we lend for you. W-E-L-E-N-D and the number four. You'll click on the link, you'll save it to your home screen, and there you are, you're up and running. You do, I believe, have to register, but you will be able to uh, play the games with us. But this is an amazing tool for you guys. You've got it at your fingertips. As you're looking through Redfin, Zillow, Realtor.com, Truly, uh, Truly, I believe it's Trulia, um, all of the different websites that uh, would be letting you window shop, this is going to help you to uh, realize whether or not the property is affordable for you. It's going to run all of those payments with mortgage insurance. So if you do not have 20% down and you're looking at doing an FHA loan or you're looking at doing a USDA conventional, it is going to actually calculate that mortgage insurance. If you are a veteran and you are using a VA loan, it will also calculate that upfront uh, fee that you will pay that funding fee. And it actually will let you uh, select whether or not you are considered disabled so that it does not calculate the funding fee into the monthly payment. So very, very good, good tool for you to have. Plus you can contact us, check out our Facebook, watch our YouTubes, all that stuff. This is your tool app. So make sure that you guys are there and ready. So before I jump on, um, go to the next screen, I just wanna remind everybody that this is interactive. We want you to talk to us. We want you to let us know that you're there. I want you to ask questions. It's very, very important. If you have a question, chances are someone else has the same question. And if you can be the bigger person who's not scared to reach out and ask that question, you are helping everybody along the way. Um, so Heather did jump on. She says, hi, everyone. She's sitting right here next to me. Again, if for some reason you cannot get the phone app, please let us know. Throw something into the feed and we will make sure that we get it to you. I'll send Heather over to the other computer and get you out that link directly. Um, Ken uh, jumps on. He says, what up, y'all? Ken, nice to see you there. Um, and we've got uh, Heather and Ken are talking to each other. Ken says, I want to buy a rental house in Tampa. Uh, Ken, Florida is the hot state right now. And uh, we can absolutely help you in Florida. So we would love to get you up and rolling there as well. So let's go ahead and move on to the next page. This is just basically how do you contact Mortgage Mom Radio. Guys, we are everywhere. If you type Mortgage Mom Radio, you will find us. Chances are you can put Mortgage Mom and I'll probably come up somewhere within that feed, um, whichever server it is that you're using. But if you don't forget that radio, you are going to find us. So Mortgage Mom Radio, guys, we are on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We're putting everything everywhere that we possibly can. And one thing that I do want to ask everybody here at the beginning is number one, please give me a thumbs up if you guys are on right now and you're watching. That really does help us with the algorithm with, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, all of them. If people are watching and enjoying it, please give us that thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed or followed us yet, please do that for me as well. That would be very helpful. And one more thing I do want to mention is if you have any questions whatsoever we want to be your first phone call we are always happy to get you pointed in the right direction if your scenario is one that we cannot help you with but we want to be your first phone call we're doing these workshops for you guys we're coming in on a Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon to bring you that information we've got the radio show going the podcast the YouTube Facebook we're Instagram, we're putting everything everywhere that we can. And that does take money to make sure that we're getting that education and updated information and news out to 
to you, you know, about mortgages and the financial market. So the the only thing that we ask is that we are your first phone call. So please, please call us with anything and let us get you pointed in the right direction if it's not something that we can do here for you at Mortgage Mom Radio. Um, so, uh, Nora jumps on. So thank you so much for the thumbs up. Diane jumps on. She says, hi, thumbs up again. Thank you all for watching. Really, really appreciate it. Please make sure uh, that you guys put those questions into the feed when we start getting into the good stuff. Um, one thing I do want to mention is if anybody is watching through Facebook or Twitch, because I've got the PowerPoint up in front of me and I'm looking down at my phone to see the, uh, YouTube, uh, comments, and questions, I can't see Facebook or Twitch right now. So uh, Mikey is going, Mikey, you're going to have to stop me and let me know if you see somebody make a comment through one of those uh, platforms, okay? Mikey? Okay, thank you. All right, so here we go. Real estate buzzwords. We're going to get into this because what in the heck are they talking about? This is where we're going to get started. This is for people that have never done this before or if it's been five or six years or longer since you have bought or sold a home. This, these are very important terms for you guys to be aware of and to understand what in the world it is that we are talking about. So we, I'm not going to go through every single word that is on this list. It would take us forever. I've actually got two full sheets and I'm trying to make this a little bit quicker today so that you're not stuck here on the channel for a solid three hours uh, throughout the presentation. But I am going to point out some of them and I'm going to leave this here on the screen as I talk because I want you to be able to refer back to this workshop again later. It's going to stay here on YouTube forever. It is going to stay on Facebook forever. So you guys can always go back and watch it again. Uh, be more than happy if you want to reach out to the office and ask us to send you the link so that you don't lose it. We would be happy to do that for you as well. So um, I again, these are really, really important, you know, uh, words, uh, really important for you guys to know what they mean. We talk in a lot of, um, you know, shortened formats in mortgage. So sometimes we might say something that doesn't necessarily make sense to you. So for example, your appraisal, your appraisal is something that we are going to order for you on your behalf the lender has to order it. The bank has to order it. The bank doing the appraisal. This is not your physical inspection. This is not a contractor checking out your home, the home that you're purchasing to see if it is in good shape, letting you know what things are are not working. This is the appraiser's opinion of value. So that is very important for you guys to understand that this is different than a physical inspection. Um, and I'm looking down, no new comments. So again, I'm going to continue to look down to make sure I'm answering those for you. I want you to know that this is interactive and you guys can put your questions in the feed. Um, so your closing disclosure, otherwise referred to as a CD. So you're going to hear, well, have you signed your CD yet? The closing disclosure must be signed three days prior to you signing your final loan documents to close your loan. This is very important. So if you are in the middle of a transaction right now, you are purchasing a home, you're supposed to be closing on Tuesday, and you haven't signed a closing disclosure yet or your CD, you are late. You are not closing on time. You are not getting when you your keys when you expect to get them. So make sure that you are very mindful of that. It is a final disclosure that you will receive from your lender confirming everything you have been talking about throughout the transaction. The final 
price, the final appraised value, the final interest rate, the breakdown of all the closing costs, what your monthly payment will be, the verified property taxes, the homeowner's insurance policy that you shopped for. It's now showing you that cost. It is giving you everything that you have worked for throughout that, you know, 20 to 30 days that you have been in process to get this loan. So keep that in mind. Closing disclosure, very, very important uh, that you guys are mindful of when you receive it and and make sure that you sign it as soon as you get it because the clock does not start until your signature is on that form. Um, many of these don't really, you know, they're, they're just little things like docs. I'm pretty sure that's self, self-explanatory. Um, it, there are eight escrow states in the country. Eight of those states, uh, like I said, are escrow states. That is a third party, neutral third party, who is taking um, information from all sides of the transaction, from the seller, from the buyer, from the lender, from the realtors. They are the neutral third party that is running the, the information. They cannot do anything without all parties agreeing and giving them instruction. In many states, though, you'll find title states, and there will be other states that are attorney states. And depending on the state that you are buying your home in, the title company would be acting as an escrow officer would be as a neutral third party. And in an attorney state, the seller will actually have an attorney, the buyer will have an attorney, and title will be running for you. So again, if you are in a particular state and you want to know more, you want to understand better, all you have to do is call our office. You're more than welcome to speak with me directly. You can talk to any of the girls here in the office and they can explain it all to you and make sure that you're understanding of what you need to do once you get your contract signed. Um, your LO is your loan officer. Your LE is the loan estimate. Just like the CD, it's going to be the preliminary numbers that are being estimated by your loan officer to try to show you where they believe that things will end up by the end of the transaction. It is very, very important that you're working with somebody who is going to put those numbers together correctly. The last thing that you want to do is to be surprised at the end and have to bring in more money than what you anticipated. That can really change things for some people. Um, again, there's no questions yet, guys, so hopefully I'm doing a good job. But if you have any questions at all, it's interactive, please put those into the feed. Happy to answer them for you. Um, your physical inspection, as I mentioned, is different than your appraisal. That is where you are going to get yourself an inspector to go through that home and double check that everything is working right. This is your option to do. This is an optional report that you can choose to pay for. If dad's a contractor, if you've got a good friend that's a contractor, you might want to ask them to come along and do it for you. It is not required, but it is definitely suggested. Your processor, you might hear your loan officer tell you, well, my processor is going to reach out to you. Your processor is the person, once you do your loan application and you have all of your paperwork put together and they submit the loan to an underwriter, your loan officer, the loan officer will underwrite your file. I'm sorry, the underwriter will underwrite your file that your loan officer sent in. And once it is underwritten, the processor will take over. The loan processor is going to work very closely with the underwriter to make sure that they get everything that the underwriter wanted prior to final approval. So your underwriter will give you what is called a uh, commitment and it is a underwritten and approved subject to. You are subject to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so what do we need to get on your file 
to make sure that we get to a clear to close where we are ready to go. You are a fully approved and completed loan application. So they're going to say they want an appraisal. They're going to say they want a verification of employment. They're going to say they want one more bank statement to confirm that that deposit that you put down on that home has been received. So the processor you will also be working with alongside your loan officer and that processor is working right alongside that underwriter who you will never talk to. Um, your underwriter, I'm again, I'm sure that that's pretty um, basic. And, um, you know, your FICO score, I think we all know what credit is, but I am going to get into a slide on credit today. Your homeowners association, your HOA, if some people want homes in HOAs, others don't. So read that very carefully. And your HOI is your homeowners insurance. Many people get this confused with um, mortgage insurance, two totally separate things. Mortgage insurance is when you put less than 20% down on a home. Homeowner's insurance is to make sure that you are covered as a homeowner against fires, natural hazards, a tree falls on your house, a pipe breaks, things of that nature. Somebody slips and falls on your property. That is very, very important. You actually get to shop for your homeowner's insurance. So you get to select the insurance company, find your quote, and pay what you want to pay. Um, I have a Nancy jumps on. She says, if, if issues are discovered during the physical inspection, what can you do as the buyer seller? Um, so that's a great question, Nancy. Thank you so much. And I've never seen your name on here before. So I sure appreciate that you are joining us today. Um, with a physical inspection, that is something that you will be working directly with your real estate agent on. So as we get deeper into the pre presentation today, we'll be talking about things that are important when selecting the real estate agent that you'll be working with. And one of those things are negotiating skills. That is very important to make sure you're working with somebody who is really good at that piece of the puzzle and does understand the contract very well, the ins and outs, uh, leaves you with some contingency timeframes to get that physical inspection done. If you find that there are repairs that need to be completed on that home, you absolutely have the right as a buyer, as long as you kept a physical contingency in your contract and didn't waive it, or you didn't choose to buy the home as is, you have the right to go back to the seller and request for those repairs to be done or a credit to be given to you in a way of closing costs, a credit towards your closing costs to cover those repairs after the home has closed. So you absolutely have the right to renegotiate even once you are into the contract. So I hope that that answers the question. Um, Jennifer jumped on. She says, hello all. Jennifer, good to see you. Uh, Heidi jumps in and she says, can you explain if there is a question about rate when the loan is underwritten and they have heard from the loan processor, processor, should they reach out to the loan officer or the loan processor? Okay, so I, I kind of get where Heidi's going here. So I believe what Heidi is trying to get me to do is to differentiate the difference between your loan officer and your processor. And I think that that is very important. And Heidi, thank you so much for bringing that up. Your loan officer, you guys, is your first point of contact. They are the person who is basically selling you the, 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 the mortgage, okay? You've got to think about them as your guidance. You're signing up with them. They are helping you to figure out what loan you're getting into, structure it, so what kind of program, what down payment amount, what interest rate. They're going to go through with you why you're getting that interest rate, all of the different reasons why and how an interest rate comes to play. Why do you get this one, but your neighbor got that one? So any questions that come up at all, 
your down payment all of a sudden changes, you have less than what you thought, um, the interest rate changes or you wanna lock in your interest rate, all of those things are loan officer, licensed loan officer that is helping you with those things. When it comes to your loan has been underwritten by an underwriter and there are documents that need to be obtained to get your loan cleared to close, the processor is working on those. So the processor is doing the, the minutia of the paperwork to push your file through the system. Your loan officer is responsible for everything that somebody licensed needs to talk to you about. So I am licensed, and which means that I can legally talk to you about interest rates, why you get an interest rate, and what is determining the rate that you get. So that was a great question, um, Heidi. Thank you so much. Uh, Manny jumped on, and he just gave us a thumbs up and a smiley face. So Manny, thanks so much for watching. This is actually really good for you, since you will be selling <laughs> loans here at Mortgage Mom Radio right around the corner. Uh, Manny is my son, and he is actually working on his license right now. I thought you were going to say because he's going to buy a house soon. Yeah, well, I'm going to hope that he's going to do that too. Uh, Heidi jumped on. She said exactly what I wanted you to review. Thanks. And Heidi, you are very welcome. And thank you for bringing that up. I love it when my team jumps on and is part of the show because they really do help me. I'm moving along. I'm trying to get to very important things. And obviously, uh, they also get a lot of questions from um, our clients and can make sure that they are helping me along the way. So thank you, ladies. Um, all right. So we are on, like I said, to screen number two, more buzzwords, right? More things that you guys need to know about a real estate transaction. People are going to throw things at you. What do these things mean? So again, this is going to sit up here on the screen here for a minute. I'm not going to read every single definition, um, but property taxes, that is what you're going to pay uh, to the uh, state, county, city for the home that you own in the state that you are in. Um, your real estate agent versus a realtor. This is very important for you guys to real estate uh, to understand what the difference is. Uh, Heather, you guys can't see her right now, but she's got the mic. And being that she's a licensed uh, real estate agent and a realtor, I'm going to let her quickly throw that definition at you. So basically the difference between somebody who's a real estate agent and somebody who's a realtor is the realtor is designated with the National Association of Realtors or NAR. So they carry a special designation and generally belong to their local boards, their state boards, the national boards. Somebody who's just a real estate agent most likely is not a member of any of those boards, possibly um, not a member of the local board either. Okay, very good to know. So basically, guys, look for a realtor. That that would be my my advice to you today exactly. or my suggestion. I won't use the word advice because I'm not <laughs> a financial advisor. Um, but uh, that would be my suggestion to you is to make sure you guys are working with somebody who is designated as a realtor. Um, your termite inspection. So this is something that is uh, your choice as a buyer, whether you'd like to have a termite inspection done or not on the home. I do definitely suggest that you get a termite inspection done. You wanna make sure that those little buggers aren't eating away and giving your home dry rot. You don't want to buy a home that needs to be tented. Uh, much, much easier to get that tenting process process done in between your seller moving out and you moving in rather than you moving in having everything there and then having to go and stay somewhere for three or four days while they fumigate the property so um, definitely suggest that you guys do that it is but it is optional for you as a buyer 
Your title report, uh, this is something that the uh, mortgage company is going to require. It is also something that even if you pay cash for a property, you as a buyer are going to want to make sure uh, that the seller does get for you. This is going to make sure that the property is free and clear of all liens that the current owner or the seller has against the property at the time that you take um, ownership of that home. So you want to make sure if they've got a mortgage, a second mortgage, an equity line of credit, if they have a solar lien, if they have any mechanics liens, um, if they have any IRS debt, you want to make sure that everything is being cleared and you are taking a free and clear title of the home. So title insurance is very important. And your underwriter, we've already basically talked about them, but they are the uh, know-it-all, say-it-all uh, they're, they're the end game for you. Are they going to approve your loan or are they not? They are the person that is going to sit down and they are going to work through your income and work through your credit and work through your assets and make sure that uh, you can be approved for the loan. They will put that stamp of approval on your loan application. So with that, we've made our way through buzzwords. Um, I can see that Carrie jumped on. She said, hi, just a reminder that VA requires termite. Carrie, thank you so much. That is uh, absolutely 100% true. If you are a vet and you will be buying a home with a VA loan, you are required to have a termite report. And one thing that is different is that as a vet, you are not allowed to pay for the termite report. So you do have to make sure that your real estate agent is familiar with VA loans if they are going to help you and you do plan to use yours. If they are not, uh, they don't do a lot of VA financing in their transactions, they don't work with a lot of veterans, you may want to uh, possibly select a different real estate agent agent. Obviously, we do tons of VA loans here and we work with real estate agents across the nation. So if you are looking for a particular state or and area that you want to buy in and you are a vet, uh, make sure you give us a call. We'd be happy to put you in touch with somebody that we know uh, does a lot of those. But it is very important to know that they need to negotiate in your contract to get the seller to pay for a termite report and it cannot be waived. So awesome, Carrie, thank you so much, I love it. Uh, Red Muffs jumps on, he says, loving the info. Thank you so much, Red Muffs, for getting on here and being part of the show today. Absolutely appreciate it. Um, so with that, you guys, keep the questions coming. This is Buzzwords, we just finished this part. We are going to take a super quick break so that I can grab a um, quick sip of you know my soda and then we're gonna get right on to the next piece of the, of the uh, of the workshop. So stick around, stay tuned. It's like a minute long. Be right back. Hi, this is Carrie Young with Mortgage Mom Radio. Do you dream of moving to another state but don't know where to begin? Let us help. My team and I are licensed in multiple states. We can prepare you to buy before you make the big move. We also have numerous referral sources. Having recently made a big move myself, let us help you prepare to make your dreams a reality. Give us a call. That number is 844 935-3634. That's 844-WE-LEND-FOR-YOU. That's W-E-L-E-N-D and the number four. Or visit our website. That's mortgagemomradio.com. 
All right, so welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. I'm Debbie Marku. I am the Mortgage Mom, and today I am bringing you our home buyer workshop. We're taking you from the beginning of the process all the way through the end and everything in between. This is an interactive show. I want you guys to ask your questions. I want to answer them for you. I'm going to read them right out loud, and I'm going to give you those answers. You can put them right into the feed. Whether you're watching via YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, you guys have your way of communicating. Just put it into your messaging, and I'm going to be able to see it and read it for you. Um, I am actually only able to see right this second the YouTube comments, but Facebook does work and Twitch does work as well and Mikey is going to stop me who is back behind the camera and let me know if anybody does comment so please don't make that uh, make it feel like you can't ask if you are watching me uh, via one of those two social sites so again make sure you guys are asking me your questions so we're going to go ahead and we're going to move right into our first contest uh, the first thing I told you guys when we were getting started was we were going to have some games which were going to be fun and we want to make sure that you get a chance to play so you do need to have that mortgage mom radio phone app on your phone it is the phone app that you had to text mom to 844-935 3634. You would get a link. You're going to save that to your home screen on your phone so that you can pay, play along. So our very first contest is you're going to open the app. You are going to find contact us. Then you are going to click email Heather since she's here with me in studio and you are going to type in the subject line your full name and you are going to hit send. The very first person that we get an email from is going to win a Mortgage Mom Radio t-shirt. So we will contact you after the show is over via email since you emailed us and we will ask you what size that you would like us to mail off to you. So um, Heather, I'm gonna let that roll. Do you already have a winner? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. So as soon as you have a winner, just go ahead and give me the big wave and I will stop. Um, but once again, you guys are going to open the app. You're going to find contact us. You are going to click email Heather, and then you are going to type your full name into the subject line and hit send. So as soon as we have the first person come through, we will go ahead and announce that. This is contest one. We just want to keep it fun and exciting. So here we go. Let's get on to the next subject. So benefits of homeownership. So you guys are here today. You're following along. You're watching the workshop. Um, oh, we've got Nancy Tanner. So Nancy, you are our first winner of the Mortgage Mom Radio t-shirt. Thank you so much and congratulations. And we will reach out to you on Monday to get your home address and the size that you want. And you can actually, if you'd like to, you can, um, Heather will uh, email you right now and say thank you. And you're welcome to go ahead and email her back and she'll get it coordinated for us. So that's even easier than waiting until Monday. Um, so here we go. Benefits of homeownership. You guys are here with us today because you want to buy a home. Why do you want to buy a home? Because there are benefits. You may not know what those benefits are. You might be thinking your parents might keep telling you over and over again, you need to buy a house, you need to buy a house, you need to buy a house. Um, you might be hearing the mortgage mom say you need to buy a house, you need to buy a house. So we want to bring you through what are those benefits of homeownership. But on the other side, I'm going to take you through, you know, what do you need to do to, to take care of that? And what are the downsides of homeownership? So it's very important that you understand both the positives and the negatives of buying a home. So number one, 
big, you can see it right there on your screen, biggest day, right? You get the tax deduction. You're gonna get the tax deduction of all of your mortgage interest, and you're gonna get the tax deduction of all of your property taxes. As of last year, when we all filed our tax returns for 2021, mortgage insurance was tax deductible. There was a point in time when mortgage insurance was not tax deductible up to very recently. I wanna say that that changed over in about 2017 or 2018. I have heard mummering uh, throughout the industry that the mortgage insurance will not be tax deductible again it coming up in 2022 or 2023. I am not the IRS. I am not a CPA. I am not a registered agent. Um, so I cannot tell you 100% that that is coming, but definitely go on into your search engine and type it in and see if you can find any information about mortgage insurance being tax deductible and that that might be going away. I do believe that it will be. So it's something to keep in mind if you'll be buying a home with less money down than 20%. We might want to talk about ways that you can buy it out up front. We might want to talk about ways to building it into the interest rate, lots of ways that we can go about it, but check into mortgage insurance. I'm going to leave that for you to do um, and to make the, the judgment call on your own. Um, Nancy did jump on and said, thank you. You're very welcome, Nancy. So happy uh, that you won and we'll make sure we get that t-shirt out to you. Everybody stay tuned. We have got a really, really great um, contest at the very end. It's lots of fun and that person will be able to win themselves a free appraisal uh, when they do their financing with Mortgage Mom Radio for um, uh, for their for their next transaction. So, um, okay, so you've got your tax deduction that you don't have right now. And I guarantee you when you go to file taxes, your um, CPA is going to be telling you that you need a tax deduction. So that would be one of the benefits of homeownership. Um, tax, I've got build wealth. So obviously over time, your home is going to build you wealth just simply by appreciation. A lot of people right now are saying, well, we're in a recession. Home values are dropping. Why would I want to buy a house? Why would I want to buy a house, Heather? Um, but trust me in saying that real estate always goes up over time. Real estate is not an overnight make money fast, quick flip event. Real estate is something that you hold on to for the long haul. This is something that you get yourself into property, just like when you play the game Monopoly. The longer that you own it, the more rent that you collect, the more value that you get, the more that you can do with that property. So I'm going to tell you that it will help you build wealth over time. Uh, look it up. It's a cyclical cycle. More, you know, value goes up, value comes down. Value goes up, value comes down. It always exceeds where it left off the time before. There's never been a time in history where it didn't reach the level where it was at the time before things had started to slide and it always goes up and supersedes that number. So even if we are on our way down right now, if you are a renter, you are feeling the pinch of rents, your rents are going up, you are going to pay more again next year, your landlord is going to continue to increase your rents year over year. When you own a home, you are locking in a monthly payment if you get yourself on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. So you will build wealth with real estate. 
Um, you do have security. So as I just mentioned with the monthly payment, you have security. Nobody can raise your monthly payment on you. Nobody can tell you that they're increasing your rent. Nobody can tell you that they are serving you with a 60-day notice to move because they want to sell the property. Nobody can, uh, you, you can't get kicked out of your home. If you do all of the responsible things that you need to do as a homeowner uh, during your homeownership process, it's your security blanket, guys. It's yours. You have pride of homeownership. You can put your flowers in. You can update your home. You can paint your walls. You can fix that property to be what you want it to be. It is your security blanket. It is your pride of ownership. And it is going to help you build good credit. So when you have a mortgage on your credit report, people with mortgages who pay their mortgage on time, who have a good credit rating on their mortgage history, the majority of the time will have a higher credit score than somebody who doesn't have a mortgage. So um, it definitely helps you to build your credit as well. So those are just some of the um, things that I find that are very important and a benefit of homeownership. So let's get into another part of the homeownership that is a benefit. I want you all to do your own research. I want you to do a rent versus own calculator. You can find this on Zillow. That is where I found it to show it to you today here in the PowerPoint presentation. And I'm showing you what I put in when I ran the numbers, okay? Um, is it rent versus own? Which one is more beneficial? Should you buy or should you rent? And so I, I want you to see what I put in when I came to my conclusion of buying a home is better than renting, even today when you might be worried that property values could possibly be dropping, okay? And I'm just checking to make sure we don't have anything on Facebook right now, Mikey. No questions coming up on Facebook? Okay, cool. All right, so what I did is I put in in the Zillow rent versus buy calculators and you guys can go in there and do it for your own accord. What sales price you think you're gonna buy, what loan, how much down, um, all of those things, property taxes, but I did one very quickly. I did it at annual renovation cost of about $3,500. So as a homeowner, you are gonna have some upkeep on your house, whether that be something like needing a new refrigerator, needing a new washer and dryer, maybe a pipe breaks, maybe you have a, a loose uh, tile, you know, loose roof tile. Um, I just had to call out my home warranty plan because my garage door wasn't going up and down the way that it needed to, and that was $75 to fix that. Um, there's going to be annual costs over time. There's going to be many years that will go by that maybe you have nothing to fix, and then all of a sudden, boom, you need to repipe your house. So I went ahead and I put in an annual renovation cost of about $35 hundred dollars on your house to take care of it because you don't have a landlord to call to say come fix my house for me um, I put renting utility costs so again where you live across the nation your utilities are going to uh, change based on your gas for heating your electric you know for your AC and running all of your appliances uh, things will change based on where you live but I found that on average across uh, you know across the nation um, your average monthly utility costs for trash, garbage, um, you know, if you're taking care of the lawn maintenance yourself for a home that you're renting, your um, electric, you know, your power and, you know, all of that stuff, about $600 a month. Um, that could be a lot higher and that could be lower. So again, that's why I want you guys to do this for yourselves to determine if this is right for you. 
renter's insurance. So when you rent a property from somebody, all of your personal belongings on the inside of your home are not covered by their insurance policy because you're a renter. So they are and should be if they haven't already and they didn't ask you to do it, you should be getting it on your own. But most landlords will require that you get yourself a renter's insurance policy to cover your belongings in case of some sort of a disaster. That will typically, what I've seen again on average, is about $50 a month. I will see about two months of rent for your security deposit and, um, you know, we'll kind of see your first month security deposit. Sometimes I want first, last security. Again, it depends on where you are in the state laws where you are renting. Um, So I put on average two months up front. An HOA fee, so this is going into if you bought a home that has an HOA, I put $50 a month. There's many, like you can get into Texas areas where they have HOAs and Kentucky that have HOAs and Arkansas that have HOAs of like $300 for the year. For the year, Utah, I see that a lot. But then you can get into California where you've got homeowner association fees that are three and $400 a month. So it depends on where you're buying, but I put on average $50 a month because that's probably about the average across the nation. Annual property tax rate, I put in at one and a quarter. One and a quarter is probably pretty average. If you get into Texas, they're in the twos, guys, close to approaching in on threes sometimes. Las Vegas, you guys are phenomenally low. I love Las Vegas's property taxes. Tennessee, great property taxes. So I put one and a quarter as an average. Wherever it is that you are buying, wherever it is that you are thinking about getting yourself a home, look up your property taxes. It's really easy. Put it into your search engine and write property taxes for your state or your city and your state. And you will see a bunch of things come up and you can click on that. You could see what the average number is for your area. Your maintenance rate. So I put $3,500 in here. Again, annual renovation costs, more maintenance fees. So I'm going high, guys. I want you to be aware that I went extremely aggressive on this. I want you guys to see the worst case scenario. And then I want you to go in and actually put in what you think that these things would cost you. And then does it make sense for you to buy versus rent? Okay. Um, Purchase costs percent. So this is closing costs. What's it going to cost you to do the closing costs? This is one and three quarters percent. That is very standard. Sometimes it's one and a half to 2%. So I went one and three quarters on your closing costs to get into that home. I put selling costs. So when you go to sell your home, this is taking everything to an account, guys. How much money do I have to put in? How much money do I have to keep to upkeep it? What's it gonna cost me to close and closing costs? What's it gonna cost me to sell the home to get my proceeds later? This is taking everything into account, which is why I love this one that they do here on Zillow. So I put 8%. 8% is actually a pretty high number when it comes to seller's costs. If you're on the West Coast, it is very common for commissions to be negotiated down a little bit lower with the real estate agent, maybe four and a half, five percent, probably five percent is pretty average between the listing and the selling agent here in California. Across the nation, seven percent, eight percent might be very normal. So I went very, very high and I did eight percent. You're going to pay six percent in a commission and about two percent in seller's fees, which is actually very high. So I do want to make sure you guys know that I was not changing things around to make this beneficial for you. Um, Tax filing status, I put married. Okay, married gives you more exemptions, so I put married. Homeowner's insurance costs annually, 1,500 bucks. Growth rates, I put zero. Zero growth rate. If you buy the home today and property values do not appreciate at all, 
Zero. They don't change. Next year, they don't change. The year after that, they don't change. You get zero, zero percent appreciation. So again, this is taking into account your tax advantages, your benefits that you're getting from your ownership of the home, okay? Um, first year rent forecast. I did put that your rent's gonna increase by 10%. That's pretty standard right now, and it's gonna keep going that way as things get worse with the economy. Um, buying expenses. So I put your interest rate at 5.5%. That's an interest rate that's um, very doable, especially for a first-time home buyer. I was looking more at like an FHA loan, uh, an, a VA loan, this, the lower down payment you know, loan types, somebody that a first, a loan program that a first time buyer might use. I put three and a half percent, I'm sorry, I put 5% down payment. So again, a very low down payment. I put a comfortable home amount for you of $700,000. And I put right now that you're paying about $3,800 in rent. So again, a $700,000 property is probably renting for somewhere about $35 to $4,000 a month. Um, rents have gone up. And if you want to choke right now hearing that, um, it's it's pretty factual. If you're looking at, uh, you know, if you rent a home right now that's about two or two thousand dollars a month, you're probably looking at homes, you know, more in the three hundred thousand range. And so again, that's why I say very important for you guys to go and do this rent versus own. Maybe you are a first time buyer, but you've got twenty percent down, and you're going to buy a home for three hundred thousand, right? Very important to put those numbers in there and to see what your rent versus own looks like. Okay, so. After four years, it is cheaper for you to own a home than it is to rent a property. So take that in, let it resonate, resonate with you and decide, does that make sense? How long am I gonna live there? How much longer do I have until I retire? How will this house benefit me after year four? Guys, four years is nothing. So keep that in mind. I definitely believe you should be buying a home, which is why I'm sitting here today on a Sunday and giving you guys this, this information. All right, responsibilities of homeownership, okay? Gave you all the good stuff. Why should you buy a home? So what's the bad stuff? What do you need to know? All right, so you do need to make your mortgage payments on time. When you rent a home and you have a landlord, the majority, the majority, there are some landlords and there are some rental complexes, big rental complexes that do report to your credit report, but the majority of the time when you rent a home, your rental history, your payment history does not get reported to your credit report. Your mortgage history will get reported to your credit report. If you miss a payment, that is going to hit you and it is going to hit you hard. So you need to make sure that you do not miss mortgage payments, do not. I have seen somebody lose as much as 100 points overnight because they went 30 days late on their mortgage. So that is one of the responsibilities of homeownership. Property taxes. If you don't pay your property taxes, guys, you can lose your house. They can foreclose on you. They can sell the property at auction. They could take your property. So you have to make sure that your property taxes are paid for. One way to make sure that that happens is to make sure that they're included in your monthly mortgage payment as part of the monthly payment that you make. So your taxes and your homeowner's insurance, everything is all balled into one. It is all put together. That is what they call PITI, Principal Interest Taxes Insurance. And you are budgeting to make that payment every single month so that you do not have to worry 
that your property taxes are not getting paid. Um, if you are somebody that gets big commissions a couple times a year, big bonuses a couple times a year, you might be a good candidate to pay your property taxes on your own when the bill comes due because you know you get a big bonus two or three or four times a year and then you'll pay your property taxes when you get those bonuses. Everybody has a different reason for why they might decide not to have things impounded is what they might call that, impounded or escrowed. Um, but I would highly suggest that you do get them as part of the monthly payment. Just my suggestion to make sure that you guys keep yourselves in good shape. Um, your repairs and maintenance are your responsibility. As I mentioned before, you guys do need to make sure that you're upkeeping. You have no landlord to call to say something broke. Please send somebody over here to come fix it. You know, the toilet is clogged, the water spraying out of the sink, um, whatever that it might be that might happen. There is nobody to call to say, come fix it for me. You are responsible to do it. So if you're not a handyman and you're not good at those repairs, then you want to make sure that you're budgeting to cover things that might come up over time and HOA dues. So if you do buy a home that is in an HOA, whether that be a condominium, a townhome, or a single family home, there are properties with HOA dues of all types. If you buy a home that is in an association and you do not make your association, your monthly payments to the HOA, they actually have the right to foreclose on you. You could lose your home for your back uh, homeowners association fees. So you do want to make sure just like your mortgage that you do stay up on those and you do get those paid. Many times when people do run into financially, you know, financial problems, they do start hurting. A lot of times the HOA dues will be the first thing that they do stop paying. But let me just tell you, please don't do that. Don't pay your credit card. Don't pay something else before you don't take care of your home. Your home is your security blanket. Your home is where you get to stay forever. If you maintain it, you pay for it, and you take care of it. So very, very important. Again, I want to remind you guys, this is interactive. Please keep the questions coming. If I say something that doesn't make sense, if you want to correct me, if you have questions that you want to ask, please go ahead and throw those in the feed. I am more than happy to help you. That is what we are here for, and that is what we're doing today. All right, so we're moving on. How do we determine what the best loan program is for you? So you now understand the benefits of homeownership, you understand the responsibilities, and you are ready. You, you wanna buy a home, but you have no idea where to start. You start hearing people talk FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, jumbo, bank statements, <laughs> um, DSCR. You're like, I, I have no idea. I'm a, I'm a CR what now? Okay. So, you know, how do we determine what loan program is best for you? So obviously it starts with a consultation. We need to talk to you. We need to get you on the phone, on Zoom, however you feel comfortable doing it. We need to talk to you. We need to talk to you about things like your income, your budget, what do you have available for down payment? Do you have reserves? Do you have on top of down payment and closing costs that you've saved and you have in the bank? Do you have extra money that we can look at as though you've got reserves? Do you have a down payment? If you don't have any down payment saved at all, we're going to have a completely different conversation. So it depends on you. Are you self-employed? Are you retired? Are you um, a W-2, but do you have a salary or do you have hourly? 
all of these different things are going to determine which loan program is going to work best for you. So as you can see up on the screen, I've broken it down. You guys, again, you can pause it, you can go back to it, you can read through these bullet points. If we're still moving through the, the presentation, you're more than welcome uh, to throw those questions into the feed and be more than happy to answer them for you. But just realize that we are going to determine which loan programs work best for you based on you. So we aren't gonna obviously only give you one option. We're gonna give you all of the options that you qualify for. And then we're gonna tell you, here's, we're gonna show you the scenarios. Here are the two or three or four or one scenario that you qualify for. And then at the end of the day, you're going to choose which program that you feel is best for you. And obviously through consultation, we're gonna to explain to you what the differences are between each program that we laid out for you. And why do we think one might be better over the other, but it's still your choice. It is our job to educate you and then you decide what works for you and for your family. So keep that in mind. Um, Heidi asks, can you cl clarify exactly what the home warranty is and why it's important? Yes, Heidi, I can. And thank you for asking that question because I did throw that in there when we were talking about benefits of homeownership. And I said that I had to actually call my home warranty company to get my garage door fixed. So one thing that you can negotiate in the contract when you go to buy the home is for the seller to buy you a home warranty plan. If the seller is unwilling to negotiate, that doesn't mean that you can't buy one for yourself, you can. And on average, we see them run anywhere from four or $500 to $1,000 a year. And this is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's a warranty plan. You're going to have a deductible, which mine is $75. That's why I had to pay $75 to have the garage door company come out and figure out why my door wasn't closing right. And you are going to, every time you make a service call, you are going to pay that deductible. Some of them are $50, some of them are $75. It depends on the coverages that you have. And the cost of the plan each year depends again on the coverages. So if you have a pool and you have a spa and you wanna make sure those are covered on top of your home, you know, it's very important to make sure that you're getting the right warranty plan. Um, but this will help you. So in is as you know, to explain, um, my pool, the motherboard that runs all of the pumps and the heater and all of the equipment went out two months after I bought the home. And we had to completely replace the entire motherboard. That would have actually cost me about $2,500, but instead I paid $75 for the deductible from the home warranty plan. So home warranties are very good. And I would absolutely tell you to try to get the seller to buy it. And then obviously, if they won't, you do have the opportunity to buy that yourself. Did you have something you wanted to add? I just want to mention that there are like uh, basic home warranties that cover like your air and stuff. You can add pool and spa. Most of them now include the pool and spa, but you can add like refrigerator, washer, dryer. So you can add on to it, which costs more. The one thing that I always get asked is, can I renew it at the end of the year? Absolutely. You don't have to be a first time buyer or a buyer to get a home warranty. You can get a home warranty on a home you own right now if right. you never had one. Right. Absolutely. If, if you own a home, even if you haven't had one, like Heather said, you guys can actually buy yourself a home warranty. So uh, definitely check in 
into it. Check it out if you guys want, you know, the names and numbers of the uh, bigger, you know, home warranty companies that we've seen come across um, in multiple contracts. We're happy to do that for you. So again, um, back to how to determine the loan program that's best for you. We're going to figure it out based on you. That's that's the bottom line. And uh, Heidi, please keep those questions coming because you are asking the best questions ever. Um, so one thing that I do want to uh, do really quick, as you can see on my screen, you can see loan programs. So we're getting into the next section of this presentation and I'm trying to move right along through it so that I can get you guys as much information today as possible without keeping you on um, you know, sitting at home with the, the phone going or the camera or the computer or whatever it is that you guys are actually listening and watching using. I'm trying to move through this as fast as I can. So again, it's interactive. I want you to ask the questions, even if I'm way past something that I had said before and, and you're just able now to ask the question, ask it. I will stop. I will go back. I want to make sure that every single person who is here today, who's following along, that's that is watching is getting the information that they need. I also want to remind you that me and my entire team are very knowledgeable and very good at what we do. So it, if you have questions and you want to get a one-on-one -on -one consultation, please call our office. We want to do that with you. We want to help you. So you call the office. The number is 844-935-3634. That's 844-WE-LEND-FOR-YOU, W-E-L-E-N-D, and the number four. Call our office, get yourself a consultation. Go to our website and click the appointments button and make yourself an appointment time that is good for you. When, when you make an appointment through um, our appointment book, you're actually getting one hour. It's consultation. It is free. We are going to spend an hour with you if we need to on the phone with you. So go ahead and go in there. Pick a day. Pick a time that works best for you. It's open on Saturdays. It's open on Sundays. It's open Monday through Friday. And if there is not a time or day that works for you, just send me an email, which you can do right through the website as well. Send me an email and let me know that you need a particular day and time because of your work schedule and we will work around you. Don't ask me, ask me for 2 a.m. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we will make you something. We will work with you, even if it is 7, 8 o'clock at night, um, even if it is 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. Remember that I have girls everywhere. Carrie's in Tennessee. She's two hours ahead of the West Coast. So if you needed a 6 a.m. appointment, that's 8 o'clock for her. She's already up and she's working. That's fine. Um, you know, we've got, we're here, we've got Heather in California. So if, you know, you need an appointment at 6 or 7 o'clock and you're in Texas, that's no big deal. That's five for us. So just ask and let me try to accommodate you. That's all I ask. That's what I want you. That's what I want to do. Um, Mary jumps on. She says, hola, hola, mom. Thanks so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Um, Carrie says, I'll do 2 a.m. <laughs> okay, in all fairness, she has two little ones, so she's probably up she's at 2 a.m. anyway. <laughs> she probably is. She probably is. Um, so with that, thank you so much, Carrie. I'm, I'm going to remember that. Got to remember that. All right. So thank you so much. Again, we're going to move right along in this presentation. We're going to keep this thing going. You can see on the screen, it says Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, Jumbo, USDA, Rural Development. Um, we're going to get into loan programs next. So we're going to take a, a quick commercial break because I need a minute. And then we'll get right back and we're going to jump into these different loan programs and all the good stuff. Remember, we've got a big, huge game coming at the end where you can actually uh, win yourself a free appraisal if you do your financing through Mortgage Mom. 
Um, so don't go anywhere. Learn everything that you need to know. And then you guys are going to play that fun game with us. So stay tuned. Hi, this is Debbie Marku, host of the Mortgage Mom Radio Show. I don't know if you've heard about it, but rents are skyrocketing. Do you rent right now? Are you a tenant? Well, chances are, if you haven't felt that pinch yet, it's coming. Think about when your contract is up and start thinking about what your landlord might do. You may even want to call your landlord to find out if they plan to increase your rents. It is happening all over the nation, and the last statistics show that we can see a 15% increase from 2021 to 2022. Give us a call. Let's stop the bleeding. Let's get you into a home. Let's lock in a monthly payment that will never change. It's 844-935-3634. That's 844-WE-LEND-FOR-YOU. W-E-L-E-N-D and the number four. Or head on over to our website to mortgagemomradio.com. Debbie Marcou is licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS ID 237926. Also licensed in Arizona, 0941504, Florida, L076508, Georgia, 69178, Idaho, MLO, 2080237926, Illinois, 031.0058339, Missouri, North Carolina, I210940, Nevada, 57237, Oregon, Tennessee, 184373, Texas, Washington, MLO, 237926. She's a mortgage mom. She can get things done. When you're in need and don't know where to go, pick up the phone and call mom. All right, so welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. I'm Debbie Marcou. I am the Mortgage Mom, and today we are doing a home buyer workshop. We are bringing you guys from the beginning to the end and all the goods in between. So why should you buy? What do those terms mean? We've already gotten through all of that. How do we decide which loan program is best for you? Well, it's customized to you. Okay, but what are these loan programs? So that is what we are getting into right now. We're going to start moving through all of the different loan programs, whether they're minimum down payments, what are their credit score requirements, this is information you guys need to remember. Very, very important because it is going to be part of uh, the final game that we do where you can and have a chance to win yourself a free appraisal. Um, one thing I want to mention, here's a couple of quick tidbits that you guys need to know to play the game. I have a dog. She is a Newfie or a Newfoundland. You guys can look those up. She looks like a cow and she eats like a cow and she poops like a cow and she is a hundred. <laughs> 140 pounds so that is one of the things you need to know for um, the game so so much fun another thing is if you guys listen to the show on a weekly basis you've heard me talk about Havasu boating Heather's breakdown of her boat so just in the back of your mind keep that in your head um, those are some of the fun questions that we're going to ask and then we're going to obviously get into some of the loan questions which you should know the answers to if you guys have been paying attention so here we go let's get started this is very important um mikey i'm not moving all right so here we go va okay va i love va i absolutely wish that more vets would utilize it i've had a lot of people call me and say that they talked to loan officers who told them that a conventional loan was better for them that they shouldn't use their va i'm going to tell you guys right now va loans are spectacular one thing that they do have that a conventional loan doesn't is the funding fee. 
That is mandated by VA. It is not something that there is any lender that can do to get rid of it. So calling me or calling ABC lender doesn't change whether you have to pay it. It is a guideline from the VA. It is the VA's loan that they're letting us write for you. Um, the funding fee is waived when you are considered 10% disabled or more. So if you have any kind of disability from the VA and you have um, received that um, your letter stating that they are you know, giving you that disability, then you will not pay a funding fee. So listen to me closely. If there's no funding fee and the interest rate is lower than a conventional loan, it is lower than a jumbo loan. There are, um, on here on this uh, sheet, I've got loan size up to 1 million. I haven't had a chance to update yet that yet. It is wrong. There is no loan limit on a VA. So we can do a VA as a jumbo. We can do a VA as a normal conventional. If you don't have to pay the funding fee and the interest rate is lower than all of those other programs, why would you not utilize your VA? VA loans are fantastic. They are zero down. You can do a refinance on them um, and you can actually pull out cash up to 100% of the value of your property. Um, we've got what's called an IRRL loan, which is a refinance for somebody if interest rates happen to drop. And this is a great subject for us today during this workshop. With interest rates being in the fives and sixes at this point in time, if interest rates, if you buy the home and the interest rates do drop, we can do what's called an EARL. The EARL is a refinance of the term loan balance, interest rate. That's it. I don't have to, I have to call and I have to verify your employment. Sometimes I don't even have to pull a credit report. I don't have to verify your income at all. It's just a phone call verifying you still work, but I don't need pay stubs. I don't need W-2s. It is a very, very simple process. I do not need an appraisal. Very simple, very fast, very easy if interest rates were to drop. So VAs have some really great possibilities, lots of things that are beneficial to you. If you're a vet, you haven't bought a home, you're still renting, Please remember the old fire drills that we used to do, what they tell us in school, stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. Get yourself a pre-approval and get out there and start shopping by yourself a home if you guys are vets. You've got zero down. You can negotiate with the seller to pay your closing costs. You can literally get into this home for no money out of your pocket. You would have no mortgage insurance monthly, a lower interest rate than any other loan program that is out there. Just a fantastic fantastic loan program. So uh, please, if you haven't already, call us and let's talk to you about maybe getting you into a house. All right, so FHA. Um, let's see, we've got uh, Carrie jumps on, says VAs are my favorite loans. And Heidi says Carrie is amazing at VA loans. And I agree with both of those. Um, very, very good loans. Um, Nancy says, can you still qualify for a first time homebuyer loan if purchasing out of state? Uh, Nancy, it doesn't matter where you buy as long as you are a first time homebuyer. So if you're a first time homebuyer, or you owned a home and you sold it more than three years ago, you are considered a first-time homebuyer. So whether you've never owned or it's been at least three years since your previous ownership, you are considered a first-time buyer. So great questions. I want you guys to keep them coming. Um, earlier on Facebook, uh, my Aunt Lori actually jumped on to say hello and Mikey didn't give me the big wave to let me know that there was a comment. So I do wanna make sure that I tell her hello back. And um, 
Carrie says, oh, thanks, Heidi, and gives her big kisses. So again, I love that my team is on. I love that they're participating and that they are part of this show with us today. Um, so FHA, we're going to get into FHA, but I want to remind anybody that might be joining us right now who hasn't been here since the beginning, this is interactive. Please put your questions into the feed. I want to read them out loud. I want to answer them for you. And I don't get, I don't care how far ahead that I get. If you have a question about something that I said previously, go ahead and type it in there. We'll stop and we'll go back. Um, so here we go on to FHA. Um, let's see, Heidi says, uh, what if I am on title of my parents' house, but I have never bought a home? Am I still a first-time home buyer? Love it, Heidi, because this comes up all the time. So thank Great you question. for asking that question. And no, you are not. If you have had ownership, doesn't matter if you lived in it, doesn't matter if your name was on the loan, if your name is on the title of the home, which will very commonly be done by parents because they want to make sure that their properties go to their kids, you now have ownership of a home and you are not considered a first time buyer. So that is a great question. Again, team, keep them coming because it makes this, uh, makes this workshop all that much better when, when you bring up things that I don't think to talk about. All right, so FHA, moving on to FHA. I love FHA. FHA is one of my favorite programs. Uh, this is great for first time buyers because it is a three and a half percent down payment. This is great for second time buyers. So if you have owned a home and you need to get into a property with lower down payment and you're not a first time buyer, um, this loan program is for you. FHAs are great. Three and a half percent down. You don't have to be a first time buyer. FICO scores, take this down, jot it down. It's part of the game. Credit score minimum 580. Uh, FHA will actually go lower than that, but it is very, very difficult to find a lender who will underwrite and approve lower than that. So when I say that, um, lenders such as the big banks, the mortgage companies, they don't want the risk of somebody below that number. So they put an overlay on that guideline that they want 580 or higher. So um, we're going to work with 580 today because that seems to be about the lowest number that we typically find. We have a couple of companies here at Mortgage Mom Radio. We actually have a couple that will go down to a 560, but 580 is what you're going to see pretty standard across the board with all mortgage companies that you'd call. So that is going to be the number we'll use today for FHA. Um, your debt to income ratio, or you're allowed to get qualified for a bigger monthly payment. So your debt to income ratio can be higher on an FHA than what they might allow on a conventional. Um, they also, because it is a government program like the VA loan that we talked about, FHA will also allow the um, FHA streamline refinance. Again, no appraisal, sometimes not even a credit report. We don't need to look at pay stubs. So if you get into a home today and an interest rate today and interest rates happen to drop, you can do a very fast and very quick and very easy refinance to get a lower interest rate and drop your monthly payment. Um, so the, I, I love that that is an opportunity with VA and FHA. It is not an opportunity with a conventional loan or any of the additional loan programs that we'll talk about moving throughout uh, the workshop today. Um, 
So, and I just keep making, I'm sure I'm looking to make sure the questions don't come up. So let's see, um, historically they have lower interest rates than conventional. This is still true today. When I run pricing on an FHA loan, you can still get an interest rate in the high fives right now. Currently, where a conventional loan, you're gonna definitely be into the mid sixes at this point. Um, so FHA will come with a lower interest rate than a conventional loan would. Um, the mortgage insurance premiums are both higher and lower. So if you have a lower credit score, a conventional loan will let you go down to a credit score of 620 and that is flat across the board. It doesn't matter what lender that you're working with. That is the bare, bare minimum. Cannot go below 620 with conventional. Um, but when you have a 620 credit score and you have to get mortgage insurance, it will be more expensive than the mortgage insurance that you will pay for an FHA loan. If you have a 700, 720, 740 credit score, the mortgage insurance with conventional will actually be cheaper than it will be with FHA. Why is that? Well, FHA is great because it's it's more of a do-over loan. Everything's kind of one flat fee because it's government. So no matter who you are, you will pay the same mortgage insurance as the next person. So whether you have the 580 or you've got the 740, you're going to pay the same mortgage insurance. Conventional, the mortgage insurance is based on your credit score, your debt ratio, property type, where the property's located. There's lots of things that go into what the mortgage insurance is that you will pay on a conventional loan. So FHA very many times is a great loan for a lot of people. And when I call it the do-over loan, I want to bring this up. Foreclosures, bankruptcies, um, collections accounts, uh, collection accounts, short sales, all of those things, they have much more lenient guidelines as, as far as how long ago that something could have occurred and you can still obtain financing today. So if you find that you did a chapter 13 bankruptcy and you're still in the middle of your bankruptcy, as long as you've made 12 payments to your repayment plan and they've been made on time, you could qualify for FHA financing right now today. If you did a chapter seven, you could qualify for that after two years. Um, so much, much more lenient guidelines where conventional is gonna be a longer waiting period. Um, so again, I love this program. It's great for somebody who is not a first-time buyer. It's great for somebody who is a first-time buyer. It's got a lot of upside. It does not get the hype that it deserves. Many times people go, oh, FHA. You know, um, That's not true. FHA is actually a fabulous loan. So uh, give us a call if you're interested, if you feel like that's the program that you're going to fit into. So going to keep going here on conventional. So remember, guys, our game is going to be based on some of these terms. So remember them. Um, your down payments, we do have on a conventional loan, you have down payments as low as 3% down. Um, so conventional does have a nice low down payment option as well. I can tell you that the less money down, so think of conventional as the elevator. This is the best way to explain conventional. The more money that you have down, the better interest rate. The higher your credit score is, the better the interest rate. 
The more money that you have down, the better the mortgage insurance and over 20% down, you don't pay any mortgage insurance. With an FHA loan, you could have 50% down. You're still gonna pay that mortgage insurance. So conventional's kind of an elevator. With 3% down, you're gonna have quite a bit higher interest rate where you might actually wanna look at the FHA instead at the 3.5% down. The mortgage insurance on a 3% down loan, unless you fall within a low to moderate income um, section of the program is going to have quite a bit higher mortgage insurance monthly than that FHA loan would. So really where we see a nice um, a nice spot for conventional would really be 5% down, 700 plus credit score. And you know a lower debt to income ratio, we're gonna stay under like a 45%. That is gonna be a really great person for a conventional loan. But we're gonna to talk to you about it. If you've got a 620 and you've got 20% down, we're gonna to talk to you about conventional. That might be the right way to go. We're never going to exclude something that is an option for you. We're gonna show you the option and then let you choose which one works best for you. Um, a conventional loan can be closed in a combination of a first and second mortgage. Uh, this is something that we have done uh, way back in the past. We used to do a lot of it. We'd, it's not nearly as popular today. Um, I don't really know why that is, probably because second mortgages have gotten a lot more expensive than they used to be back in the day as well. Your first mortgage interest rate is based on the fact that you have a second lien, so then it bumps the rate up. So a lot of times we don't wanna go the direction of a first and second mortgage combination, but we do do them when we need to. So that would be really beneficial maybe for somebody who doesn't have any reserves and wants to buy something that would be in more of a jumbo loan category, but they don't qualify for that jumbo loan because maybe their credit score isn't there. Maybe they don't have the reserves that are required. Maybe their debt to income ratio is a little bit higher and that's not allowed on a jumbo. So maybe we do a first mortgage of 647,000 and then we do an equity line of credit for 100,000 to get you in those conforming guidelines, those conventional guidelines. Uh, but we're getting you into that jumbo territory for your total loan balance. So there are reasons why we might want that. And it is something that we can, again, talk to you about your scenario and if that is something that you should consider. Um, one thing I do want to bring up really quick are loan limits because that's very important. And I didn't talk about it with FHA. I did tell you with VA there is no loan limit and there isn't. If you can qualify for the loan, and you have the eligibility for the loan with a VA, then there's no loan limit. So we can go up to whatever number we wanna go up to. With FHA, there are loan limits. FHA do not necessarily run the same as a conventional Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan limit. They set their own loan limits and many times their loan limits are actually lower than what the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac con uh, conventional loan limit is. So definitely if you're thinking about wanting to go FHA, you want to call us and tell us where you're looking and where you're planning on buying so that we can make sure that you're looking in the right price range to get into the loan amount that's allowed for FHA. Now for conventional, they come out every single year and they give us new loan limits every single year based on the average value of a home, average price of the most recent sales. They do their data, they do their research, and then they come up with what's the new Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac conventional loan limit going to be each year. So in areas that do not have high cost, and the reason why this uh, 
PowerPoint um, says that loan amounts up to 970, depending on the county, 647, 200. Why would I give you two different numbers? That's a huge spread. Well, some areas are considered high cost areas. For example, Los Angeles County is a high cost area. It is going to give you a higher loan limit than the normal flat base conventional loan limit. Somewhere like Plainfield, Illinois, or somewhere like um, Lake Ozarks, Missouri, they're going to have the standard base Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan limit. They are not considered a high cost area. So depending on where you are looking, you could be looking at a different number. As of right now, today, September the 25th, 2022, the loan limit for the standard conventional conforming loan limit is $647,200 for one unit. When you buy a two unit, a three unit, or a four unit property, the loan limit does go up based on the amount of units that you are purchasing. So if you wanna know what those breakdowns are for where you're looking, all you gotta do is get your consult and talk to us. Um, but the majority of the country is on that 647, 200 as of today. Now, they come out, like I said, every single year and they give us new loan limits. Those new loan limits are not out yet. They have not made their official statement of what that new loan limit this year is going to be increased to. We're hearing numbers anywhere from 715,000 to 743,000, I think is the highest that I've actually seen somebody publish. Nobody actually knows for sure yet because they haven't made the announcement, but everybody knows that it is going up. So what does that mean for you? Well, when I go back to, well, maybe we want to do a first and second combination and you want to buy something for 800000 and you only have 10% down. So you need a loan of seven twenty, but the loan limit where you want to buy is six forty seven. Maybe we're going to do six forty seven and put some money on a second to get you um, into that home for, you know, seven to, to that number that you need. So where does this help you out? Well, now I don't have to go 647 if they increase the loan limit. Now I can do 715. So now maybe I don't have to gap as big of a bridge doing a second mortgage if you don't fall into those jumbo guidelines for a jumbo mortgage that goes over the standard conventional Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loan limits. So um, I hope that that helps. Again, if you guys have questions, please let me know. Um, Heather did jump in. She says, do you always have to impound your taxes and insurance on an FHA? What about HOA dues? So great question, Heather. Thank you so much. Um, so you do not always have to impound your, uh, your taxes and your insurance on a conventional loan. You are required to have a minimum of 10% down on the property to choose on conventional if you want your property taxes or and insurance impounded or not. So again, wrapped into the total monthly payment, sometimes also referred to as escrowed. Um, with an FHA loan and a VA loan, it is required. So it doesn't matter how much you put down on those properties, you are, re you are required to have your taxes and your insurance wrapped into your total monthly payment that you make every month. So great question, Heather. Thank you. Um, Heidi asks, so if I'm buying a house for a value higher than what would meet the conventional loan limit with 20% down, then what would happen? So what would happen, Heidi, is that we'd have to look at jumbo financing. So if you want to buy something for a million dollars and you put 20% down and you need a loan for 800000 
and the loan limit in your area, in your neighborhood is 647,000, then we need to look at jumbo mortgages. And if you don't qualify for a jumbo mortgage, then maybe we wanna do 647, maybe soon to be 715 or 743 or whatever that number is that they say. But as of today, maybe we do a 647, 200, and then we put the difference up to 800 in a second, a home equity line or a home equity loan. So you end up in that first and second combination. You have your total financing at 800, which is what you wanted and you bought the home for a million dollars. So I hope that that makes sense. And if it doesn't, and anybody out there listening that has more questions about that, keep them coming. Happy to keep explaining until we all get it. Um, Nancy asks, if buying a fixer upper, would a first and second combo be the way to go? So Nancy, not really. Um, a, a buying a fixer upper, that's a completely different ball of wax, a whole different conversation. Um, if you're looking to try to, to buy the home with as little money down as possible so that you can keep your cash in your pocket to then be able to use your own cash to do the improvements, we might want to look at something like FHA. If you are thinking that you want to finance the improvements, then we might need to look at a renovation loan, totally different product. Uh, totally different kind of loan program. So it depends on what it is that you're trying to do, but not really a fixer upper really is not a first and second combination type of product. That is really more to just try to get you to um, within the conventional conforming Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan program if you are outside of it loan wise. So the house price that you want to buy is too high and you don't have enough money down payment to get to the loan limit. So I hope that does make sense. But Nancy, you're always welcome to keep these questions coming. I love it. Um, her next question is, if getting a conventional loan, can you request to have taxes and insurance impounded? So taxes and insurance can always be impounded in every kind of loan that you select, every loan product. You can only choose to not have them impounded or escrowed. Both are called the same. Um, you can only choose to not have them that way if you have a minimum down payment of 10% or more. And that is allowed on a conventional loan and that is allowed on a jumbo loan and that is allowed on some of the non-QM loans or non-qualified mortgage loans, kind of alternative financing. So on conventional and on jumbo, you have to put down a minimum of 10% to be able to choose not to, but all loan programs can be. So that's a great, great question. Thank you so much. I love it. Um, so we're going to jump right in now. We're going to move on from conventional. And again, if you guys have any questions, keep them coming. Happy to keep reading it and happy to keep answering those for you. But we're going to go ahead and move right along to Jumbo. Um, Jumbo is, again, exactly what I was just talking about with conventional. If you're looking for a loan over and beyond the conforming loan limits for where you live, or where you want to buy, where you are moving to, and you want to get an $800,000 loan, but $647,200 is your min maximum in the county where you're going, then you're going to be looking at a jumbo loan, or we got to do something to get you into the conventional if you don't qualify. So what is it that you need to know about jumbo? Jumbo's number one, I want you guys to all hear this, they usually have a better interest rate than a conventional loan. They have a better interest rate than Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Um, they are definitely a lower rate for you. However, 
if you have 10% down, that is the minimum. I do not have a single jumbo product that has less than 10% down. Minimum down payment on a jumbo is 10% down. Interest rate on a jumbo with 10% down is significantly higher than a conventional Fannie or Freddie with 10% down. So keep that in mind. Jumbos truly, truly, truly are really for that person that has 20% down or more. So if you have 20% down or more, you have a high credit score, you have money sitting around in the bank after you close to, to uh, fill the gap of what we call reserves, you might really be a good person for a jumbo program. But if you have a lower credit score, you don't have the reserves, you're just scraping by what you need to to get into the loan, we might want to try talking about doing that first and second combination to try to gap the bridge um, with a normal Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan. Um, jumbo loans do have specific guidelines. So they are all individual investors. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac is this giant entity that they lay out a book of guidelines for everybody to follow. FHA, Govy, government, big guidelines, everybody to follow. Same thing with um, VA, FHA, USDA, right? Jumbo is a different story. Jumbo are portfolio investors. That portfolio could be one of the big banks. Could be Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, JP Morgan. Chase and JP Morgan, two separate entities. A lot of people don't know that. It could be um, Amerihome. It could be many different places. Union Bank, right? And then there's a lot of offside investors that you've never heard of that I'm not even going to bring up their names. They get to write their own guidelines. So every single bank will have a different way to qualify you. They will have income that they will accept or not accept. They will have a different credit score guideline that you have to have a certain credit score to qualify. They will have a different reserve requirement. So you may call me and you have, may have a great debt to income ratio. You may have great credit score, um, but you're a little shy on the reserves. I might not be able to put you with one, but I can put you with the other. So the interest rates that you hear people throwing out out there, maybe you don't qualify for that rate. So we really have to talk to you about you. What is your scenario? Exactly like I mentioned when we said, when we determine which programs are best for you, it's all about you. We're going to figure out what are the options, what are the what's available to you. We're gonna show them to you on paper, and then you're going to decide which is the best for you. Which one do you want? Um, Nancy says, thanks, and you're very welcome, Nancy. Thank you for being part of uh, the workshop today. Heidi says, love me some jumbo loans. These are jumbos are absolutely Heidi's favorite. This is her wheelhouse. She loves it, so yes. Heidi, we gotta love them. Um, Heather says, Heidi is the queen of jumbos. You're amazing with them. So, and this is true. Heidi is absolutely um, our queen when it comes to our jumbo programs. So we're gonna move along. We're gonna get through USDA. And then after USDA, I'm gonna take a quick break because I need to breathe. And when we get back, then we're gonna finish up a couple more loan programs from there. Again, this is interactive, guys. If you have questions, put them into the feed ask them if you're brave enough to put it out there for me to read it out loud you are helping somebody else because i guarantee you if you have a question somebody else has the same question that you do they're just too shy to ask so please 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 um, ask away put it put your comments into the feed um, so usda here we go 
So USDA is a loan for a property that is in a rural area. So I want you guys to hear that. A lot of people don't believe that you can get a USDA loan in California. Guess what you can? You just have to go outside the city. And that goes across the nation. USDA is a phenomenal loan. They actually have very generous income limits. It is based on your house, your home size, family income requirements. It's a family size, okay? So think about it this way. If it's you and it's your spouse and it's your three kids and it's your mom and it's your mom's mom, you're now a family of seven. Your income amount allowed is based on the size of your family. So it is actually quite generous in what it will allow. It is 100% financing, so you could get in with zero down. If your property happens to appraise for more than what you negotiate for the sales price, you will actually be able to finance up to that amount of your closing costs. So just recently, we had a property where the value came in when we ordered the appraisal at 734. And this is just, I'm just giving you an example. I'm not telling you you can buy a house USDA for 734,000. That is not what I'm saying. I'm just giving you an example of something that happened in my office this past week. Value came in at 734, but the client had negotiated a price at 725. So we have the difference between 725 and 734 that we could finance of the of their closing costs now this was not a usda loan chances are you're not going to be able to qualify for a usda loan up in the 700 range but if you've got a really big family where we're going to allow a lot of income then that could be a possibility but if it's just you or you and, an, and another person you and a spouse Chances are you're probably not buying something for 700,000 utilizing USDA. So if you want to know what those income requirements are, you want us to run the scenario for you, as I continue to mention throughout the workshop, call us, schedule your consultation, go to the website, go to mortgagemomradio.com, book yourself a consultation, call us, talk to the phone, you know, whoever answers the phone, book yourself a call, maybe talk with one of the girls immediately if they happen to answer but get your consultation. USDA loans are awesome. They are truly awesome. They've got reduced mortgage insurance. They do have an upfront uh, financed mortgage insurance fee. It is very similar to actually the VA uh, funding fee, but different, um, but it is great. It is re great rates, reduced mortgage insurance, zero down, you can finance the closing costs if you're a good negotiator and you get a property lower than what the value is. Um, it, it, it's just really an awesome program. You don't have to be a vet to get in with zero down, but you do have to go outside the city. So if you are willing to drive a little bit to find something um, that is outside of the city limits, then chances are that home is going to qualify for that USDA program. So um, really a great program. I absolutely love it. We don't use it enough. Enough people don't utilize it. Many people don't even know it exists. When they do know that it exists, they don't believe that they can qualify for it. I've had clients with upwards of the family income of being $100,000 and we've been able to get into USDA loans. So it is possible. It depends on your family size and it depends on the property you're trying to buy. So give us a call and let us help you and see if it's something that you fit that, that USDA bucket. 
Um, so with that, I'm going to remind you guys, it's interactive. Ask your questions. I want to answer them for you. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into self-employed borrowers. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. She's a mortgage mom. She can get things done. When you're in need and don't know where to go, pick up the phone and call mom. Here we go. Home buyer education. You guys are looking at the very first screen that is in my PowerPoint presented by Mortgage Mom Radio. You've got my name. You've got my licensing. That's all very important because it is important to know that the person that you are working with is a licensed agent or a licensed loan officer in your area where you're looking. That is very, very important. I do recommend that you have somebody with state licensing for your state. So for example, I personally have 13 state licenses. I'm working on three more, so I should have about 16 state licenses by the end of this year. And many loan officers will only have one license for the state in which they work and they live. So you do wanna make sure that you are working with somebody who is licensed in your state. It is very important. Every state is a little bit different. The rules, everything that goes along with the financing can be slightly different from county to state to city. So that is very important. Now, the cool thing about Mortgage Mom Radio, since we are licensed or I am licensed in so many states, we can actually work with you no matter, not no matter what, but for a good amount of the nation, a good amount of the country, we can work with you. So we have many, uh, many clients who have called us and said, try to figure out where I want to go. I might want to be in Texas. I might want to be in Florida. Um, we can help him in both of those journeys, Tennessee, Georgia. If you guys want to have a list of every state that we can help you in, please feel free to reach out. I'd be more than happy to give that to you. Debbie Marcoux is licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS ID 237926. Also licensed in Arizona, 0941504, Florida, L076508, Georgia, 69178, Idaho, MLO, 2080237926, Illinois, 031.0058339, Missouri, North Carolina, I210940, Nevada, 57237, Oregon, Tennessee, 184373, Texas, Washington, MLO, 237926. All right, so welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. I am Debbie Marcoux. I am the Mortgage Mom, and this afternoon we're doing Home Buyer Workshop. We're making sure that you guys are learning everything that you need to know from the beginning to the end. What are the loan programs? What have we touched on already? If you've just recently joined us and you're jumping in now, we've already talked about benefits of homeownership, responsibilities of homeownership. We've gone through buzzwords, definitions, what do they mean? All that important stuff. We've already talked about FHA, VA, and conventional, as well as jumbo loan programs. How do we determine which loan program is best for you? And now we are on self-employed borrowers. So self-employed borrowers can be tricky, right? If you're out there and you're self-employed, you totally understand what I mean. You're thinking, I write everything off. I don't show anything on my actual tax returns. Well, that's okay. We've got a program for you. So we actually have loan programs where we can utilize the deposits of your bank statements to determine your monthly income. We can do limit uh, loan limits as high as 5 million, exceptions up to 10 million, down payments as low as 10%. There, the bank statement program is a really great program. Now remember that this is not a traditional loan program. You are not qualifying with your tax returns. You are not giving us what we would what we would do for a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So there is no way in the world that you are going to obtain those same kind of interest rates 
for a bank statement product. You are going to pay a higher interest rate. It is going to cost you to get this program, but it's going to get you into the home. It's going to get you ownership. Maybe once the business is, you know, up and running a little bit stronger and you're, you know, actually filing the tax returns with income earned on it and you can you know you can afford to pay those taxes to the government then we you can always refinance later and you can drop that mortgage that interest rate and drop that monthly payment so this is a great opportunity for somebody who is self-employed who doesn't believe that they can buy a home yes you can it is very possible. Now, this is not a bank statement loan, is not a loan for a wage earner. If you are a W-2 employee, you will not qualify for this bank statement product. Bank statement is for self-employed only, and we typically wanna see your business bank statements are very important. So we hope that you have separate business statements from personal, but we do have lenders that will also allow us to use personal. So if you are a Schedule C or a sole proprietor and you don't have a business bank account and you use your personal account, that does not disqualify you. We just have to find you know the other lender that's going to do it for you and get you what you need. So this is out there. It does. Um, it, it, it is available. It can be very beneficial. It can be very helpful. Now, a slide that I don't have in this presentation because I just got the information on it on Thursday. So it is a brand new program that we have, and it's called the Community Mortgage. Community Mortgage is actually a new make sense, no nonsense loan for a primary residence. You do not have to be self-employed. You could be a self-employed, you could be a wage earner. It doesn't matter. It is a no ratio loan. So we are basically not verifying income at all. You need 20% down at minimum and you need to have a minimum of 12 months of reserves. So if maybe the bank statement program, you're still just not showing enough in deposits, but you know you just signed this big, huge contract for your company, you know you can afford that home, we just can't show it on paper yet, that might be a great program for you. It might be a great program for somebody who is uh, wanting to relocate and they just wanna sell their home, they wanna buy the next home, they wanna get there, and then they wanna look for a job. Well, if we can't verify income, we can't verify the new employer, this would be a great program for you. It gets you the house, it gets you moved, it gets you in, and then again, we can always refinance it later to drop the interest rate and the monthly payment. So if that sounds like a program that might work out for you, give us a call and talk to us about that one as well. That is the community mortgage. You do not have to have a job at all. We verify nothing, but you do have to have a pretty good credit score. You do have to have reserves and you do have to have a minimum of 20% down. Now, when I say reserves, a lot of people might say, okay, but you haven't explained that yet. What are reserves? All right. So reserves are the total monthly payment for your house. Principal, interest, taxes, insurance, if there are HOA dues, the total money that you have to pay on a monthly basis for your house times a certain number, and it's usually months. So some lenders might say, well, we need six months reserves. That's for some of those jumbo products. We need 12 months reserves. We need 24 months reserves. 
Every lender writes their own guidelines when we get into these more portfolio programs and they all specify what they want. So with that community mortgage, they want 12 months of reserves. So if your total mortgage payment is $1,000, principal, interest, taxes, insurance, they want to know that you have left in the bank liquid that can be utilized, pulled out, used in case of emergency. They want to know that you have $12,000 available. So depending on the amount of mortgage that you're looking for and the amount of the monthly payment will determine what that number is because we we know $1,000 isn't probably very realistic for a mortgage payment. Um, but if your payment's 3,000, you need to take 3,000 times 12 is $36,000. That's what we would have to verify. So keep that in mind. That loan program's actually also really awesome. It'll go up to $3 million in sales price. So very lenient on the sales price. So again, I didn't have a spread... Uh, PowerPoint uh, slide for that one because we just got it on Thursday, so I didn't get a chance to put that together, but it definitely ran very well here with the bank statement self-employed borrower um, slide. All right. We did almost all of the loan programs. There is one other loan program that is great. It's called a DSCR. It is a debt service ratio loan. That is for an investment property. You do have to have an owner-occupied residence in order to buy an investment property. So you do need to be paying rent. It can't be something where you're living with somebody for free on their couch and you want to use this program to help you qualify because your income isn't there. It really truly is for an investor and we're going to know if you're not an investor. But if you're buying a home for an investment and you want the property to qualify itself, so the rents that could be obtained on the home will cover the principal, interest, taxes, and insurance on the investment property. Then if you've got a good credit score and you've got 20 to 25% down payment, you can get into that loan program. And the, the house itself will qualify itself. That is why they call it a debt service. So is the property servicing itself? Is it carrying enough rental income to make its monthly payments by itself. And if that is the case, we don't go into your income. We don't go into your tax returns. We don't go into anything but your name, your birthday, your social, your credit score, your assets. And then obviously we have to get a an appraisal done and we have to make sure that that property will rent high enough to cover the costs associated with the mortgage. So um, that is one more loan program that I don't have a spreadsheet on or I don't have a PowerPoint slide on, but it is there and it is available and you guys are welcome to ask us questions about it. We'd be happy to help you. Again, if you guys want to know what's best for you, you want to know what works for you, you want to know what's going to work in the area, the neighborhood, the city, the county, the state that you're going to, you just have to get a consultation with us. That's the easiest way. You get an hour. It's free. It's by phone. If you really want to Zoom, we'll Zoom with you so that you feel like you're in person. Um, I've got people everywhere. I've got, you know, Carrie in Tennessee, Heather's uh, in California, Heidi's in Arizona, Cindy's in Idaho. I've got... Um, Kristen in Texas. I'm also in California. We're spread out. We're not just a West Coast shop. We're helping everybody everywhere. So give us a call and let us help you and let us tell you what's going to work out. Let's get you into a home. Let's get you to stop paying rent. Let's get you to stop throwing your money away. Let's get you to stop making somebody else's further future investments a good thing for them. Let's make something a good thing for you. So go to the website, go to mortgagemomradio.com. 
click on that appointment button and get yourself a time and day that works. If there isn't a time and day that works for you, send me an email, send me a message. There's a contact us right through the website. Hey, use that that phone app that you guys all downloaded earlier today. There's a contact us on there. There's an email Debbie, email Heather, email Heidi, email Cindy, email Carrie. We're all there. So utilize it, get in touch with us, get that consultation and let us figure out what we can do for you. So I'm going to take a quick break, a really quick break. And when we get back, we're going to get into closing costs. I do want to make sure that you guys are all prepared for closing costs. I want you to know what they might run you. And I want you to know that you can negotiate with a seller to get them. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. She's a mortgage mom. She can get things done. When you're in need and don't know where to go. Pick up the phone and call mom. All right, so how do you guys contact us? And this is really important because once we're done with this uh, presentation today, you may decide that it, now's the time. You wanna get things started, you wanna ask us questions. Let me just tell you that anywhere at all that you look for Mortgage Mom Radio, you can find us. Everything is Mortgage Mom Radio. Don't forget the radio, because there are a ton of people that try to call themselves Mortgage Mom, um, but Mortgage Mom Radio, you will find us. The website is MortgageMomRadio.com. On Instagram, we are Mortgage Mom Radio. You know, you can see it all here. It's on this screen. Debbie Marku is licensed by the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act, NMLS ID 237926. Also licensed in Arizona, 0941504, Florida, L076508, Georgia, 69178, Idaho, MLO, 20802. 37926, Illinois, 031.0058339, Missouri, North Carolina, I210940, Nevada, 57237, Oregon, Tennessee, 184373, Texas, Washington, MLO, 237926. All right, so welcome back to Mortgage Mom Radio. I'm Debbie Marcoux. I am the Mortgage Mom, and we are doing our home buyer workshop today. We are getting you guys from A to Z through the home buying process. So um, we've hit on so many things today. It's been really great. If you're just joining us now, if you're getting in late, uh, make sure that you guys go back, watch the beginning, learn what everything is that I've just explained. Um, this is gonna be really funny. I wish we could pan down. Heather's trying to crawl past me right now where you guys can't see her because she had to run to the restroom really quick. And you guys remember, we're an hour and 50 minutes into this thing already and I hope we're keeping you entertained and I hope we're giving you guys everything that you were wanting and needing from this workshop but it is a long day um, so she did have to run to the restroom and then crawl back in because she didn't make it during the commercial all right so fun times here we go closing costs okay you guys this is really important so everybody asks me well what are closing costs and in previous workshops I've actually pulled up closing cost estimates and I've brought you through them line by line and what is each closing cost for and you know I would love to do that with you but it would be a lot easier to do it with you one-on-one -on -one than trying to do it with everybody I know here on on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, it's not necessarily as clear as it should be. It's not as big as it should be. It's not as easy to really go through it as it would be if I just emailed it to you. You opened it on your computer and we worked through it by phone. So I'm going to leave it at that today. I'm not going to go through a big closing cost worksheet with you today. However, I do got, want you guys to hear this. Closing costs do run on average about one and three quarters. If you remember back to the slide that I did where I was showing you the rent versus own calculator and I put one and three quarters in there. Some states are gonna be a little bit less expensive than other states. It really just depends. It depends on what standard 
for the title fees standard for if there's an escrow standard for if there's an attorney standard for if titles doing both sides it depends on where you are and what is average however if we go with about one and three quarters percent of your sales price then you know that you need to save so for example if you buy a home for five hundred thousand dollars and your closing costs are you know one and three quarters percent what does that mean to you what does that mean how much money do you need well you're gonna need about seventy five hundred dollars ish right mm -hmm. in that range so that is on top of your down payment so if your down payment is three percent five percent ten percent twenty percent this is on top of so a lot of times you're excited you saved your twenty percent or you saved your five percent and you call a real estate agent and you get out there and you start looking and you make an offer and you call a lender and then you apply which most people go backwards in that way you should be applying first we should be getting you your roadmap to success we should be telling you everything that you need how much money do you need to have we should be consulting you um, before you get out there and you call a realtor and start seeing homes but many people do it backwards and what happens is that they all of a sudden find out they're already under contract and then they call the lender and they start the application and then they find out when they get their loan estimate that we all learned about at the beginning, they find out that they need more than the down payment and they didn't know that. So please keep in mind there are closing costs that you need on top of your down payment amount, whatever that might be for the loan program that you're choosing. So. One thing to say about that is that the nice thing about the fact that there is a little bit more inventory than there was in 2020 and 2021 is that these sellers are negotiating some more. They are working with you. They are giving credits towards closing costs. So maybe you have your 5% or your 3.5% or your 10% saved based on whatever the program was that we all decided was best for you but you don't have the closing costs. Well, that doesn't mean you can't start shopping. That means that your real estate agent needs to know that you can't buy unless you get this credit or you're gonna have to wait longer while you save. So it's very important to understand your closing costs. It's very important to know how much that you're going to need. And it is very important for you to go through that with somebody before you get in the car and start shopping for homes. So again, get your consultation, guys. I can't say it enough. It's free. We love it. We love doing it for you. We want to do it with you. We want to make sure that you're prepared. We want to get you that roadmap for success. We want to make you a homeowner. Okay, I'm gonna add in here real fast. <laughs> so I'm gonna put my realtor hat on. So when you're out with your realtor and the realtor says, oh, okay, I know that you need to have your closing costs paid. Let's just ask for 3%. Okay, it, let's say for, you know, kicks and giggles, your house is 300,000, 3% 3 is $9,000. If you ask for $9,000 and you don't use the whole $9,000, say you only have $7,000 in closing costs, that remaining 2,000 goes back to the seller. So it's super important for them to talk with us and know how much are you really going to need. So you're not over asking because maybe you could have negotiated that off the price. Right, or- Or in repairs. Right, or if we know that you have more than what is necessary, then we're going to use some of that money to buy the rate down so That's maybe we can too. get you a little bit better interest rate 
and use all of the money that you negotiated rather than letting that money go back to the seller because it didn't get utilized. So closing mm -hmm. costs are very important and I, that's where I'm going to leave closing costs at. It's important that you're working with a good lender. It's important that you're working with a good real estate agent. We obviously prefer it that you call our office and you work with us. Uh, that is why we're bringing you guys all of this in information for free. We're hoping that we're going to get some phone calls from you guys and that you are, you do want to work with the Mortgage Mom team. Um, but, you know, definitely something to keep in mind. It's it's very important that we talk about those closing costs and you know what, what you're getting into uh, before you get out there and you start shopping for homes. Um, Nancy says, this is great information for a new possible home buyer. Thank you so much, Nancy. I love it when you guys keep commenting, asking questions. It really does help the workshop. I want to make sure that I am touching on everything that might be a question, so keep them coming. Um, now we're going to move into a pre-approval. So we've told you what words mean. We've told you why you want to buy a house. We've told you what you have to do to be responsible to buy a house. We have told you what, how we determine which program's best for you. We've told you what those programs are that are available. We have talked to you about your closing costs and money and need, you need to have a little bit more than what you think because you can't have just enough to cover your closing costs unless you get the seller to pay them. So now you're ready. You're ready to apply, you wanna get pre-approved, you're ready to get out there and you're ready to start shopping. So what do we need from you? So up on the screen, it's a very simple three columns that are just kind of talking about what is necessary. Again, we are going to give you a, uh, an email with exactly what we want from you once we talk to you, once we do the consultation and we know everything about you. Do you um, get social security? Do you get uh, a VA disability? Do you get a pension? Um, are you self-employed and get social security and a pension? Well, you're self-employed, but we want to do bank statements, so we don't need the tax returns. This is just kind of a general idea of a full income doc qualifying loan, what we would ask of you from, you know, to have prepared. So this is just kind of to get you guys ready before you pick up the phone and you call us or you schedule your consult and we call you. Um, but basically, you need to have your pay stubs. You need to have your W-2s for the last two years. If you get paid hourly, if you get paid overtime, you get paid bonus or you get paid commission, have those final pay stubs from the previous two years available so that we can try to get a calculation quicker than waiting for your employer to respond to a written verification of employment. If you're going full income documentation and you are self-employed, then we're gonna wanna get the last two years of your personal returns. If you're incorporated, we need the business returns for two years. If you have K-1s, we need those. We're gonna need a profit and loss statement. So we will go through that with you if you're self-employed of what we need from you. Um, all borrowers, we're gonna need some sort of ID. I need your driver's license or I need a state-issued ID. I need a, a passport. I need something that tells me who you are. Um, if you're going to use a retirement account for down payment or to cover your reserves, I need to get, you know, your most recent quarterly statement and I need to get to see the terms and conditions of withdrawal to tell me that you have access to those funds. So many people have retirement accounts that they can't access. If you can't access it, it doesn't count towards that reserve requirement that we talked about earlier in the show. So um, again, this is just a very simple, um, you know, quick slide but we will talk with you to determine what it is that we need from you so obviously if you don't already own a home today we don't need your copy of your current mortgage statement if you don't own a home today i don't need a copy of your property tax bill but if you don't own a home today 
in your head, but your parents added you to the title of their house for security purposes, guess what? I need a copy of their current tax bill and I need a copy of their current homeowner's insurance bill because you are technically an owner of that home. So we're gonna talk to you individually to figure out what we need to do to make sure that we can get you guys on the right path and into homeownership. So here we go. The Mortgage Mom Radio EMD Guarantee. So when you get pre-approved, this is a program that we can talk to you about specifically if you are interested. This is just a program that we offer to our clients if they want to proceed, where it makes them more attractive to a seller. So if you end up in a situation of a multiple offer situation, this is going to make you more attractive to a seller. So who might this be good for? If you're in the um, starting range that, that wherever your neighborhood is that you're looking, whatever your state, city, and county is where you are looking, if you look at what the starter kind of base home starts at, and that is your price range, condos are 300, homes are 375, and you're approved for 400, that is the area that is going to sell the quickest, that is going to have the most multiple offers on it. So we would wanna talk to you about this program and we can go into more specifics and details about it if you feel like this, uh, that, that you're in, you're one of those people, that, that's, that's your, your section, right? You're, you're looking for that starter home price, depending on where you are. Um, this would be a great program for you. And it makes you very competitive against other offers when a seller's trying to select whose offer to accept. So we'll leave it there. We can explain it to you. We can close you really fast. There's all kinds of great things to it, but it's when you're trying to compete. Now, in this environment, right now, today, this is the program that you guys all need to be aware of. We do have a lock and shop program. And what that means is that you could have locked in an interest rate last week before the Federal Reserve increased the prime rate. And you could buy a home in two months from now and you could still get that interest rate. So this is a program that we offer. It is an awesome program. It does cost you money to lock something in because remember, we're taking money off the books. We're putting the money to the aside. We're assuming that we're gonna close this loan for you. So we do have to collect money up front. If you do not ever close on a loan, you do not get a refund. So who does this not make sense for? This doesn't make sense for somebody that doesn't know if they're gonna buy. This doesn't make sense for somebody that is not actively serious about purchasing a home within the next three to five months. This program, if you are active, you are out there, you are looking, we need to talk about this program because the interest rate last week was about a quarter, 0.25 to 0.375 lower than it was this week by the end of the week after they increase the Federal Reserve prime rate. So definitely reach out to us and talk to us about this lock and shop program. It's pretty amazing. Um, all right, so let's keep going. All right, so I just wanna remind, I had to do this slide just to remind me to tell you guys. So if you like TikTok, find us. We're mortgage underscore mom underscore radio. And I don't know why I took it off of the slide. It was there before. Um, but if you guys actually find us mortgage, the line, not the hyphen, the line, mortgage underscore mom underscore radio. We throw, I throw out stuff on here two, three times a week, really quick, uh, just 
tidbits of new products like on Thursday I jumped on there and let everybody know about the new community mortgage program so it's something that if you guys want to follow along with us that you'd be able to know about something that comes in or something that happens something that is kind of breaking news new in the industry you'll know about it first so definitely follow us on TikTok we would love to see you guys there all right um, all right, so this is where I get to stop talking. I, and we're doing great. We're at exactly two hours right now. The last workshop that we did actually went over three hours. Heather's going to keep this one down as well. She's going to try to move through it very quickly. You don't have to explain the purchase contract. It's just a picture for them to see that, hey, you're going to write an offer. Um, but Heather's going to take over from here where it's we're talking about how do you select your realtor. So I got you pre-approved. You're locked in on your lock-in shop. You've got all the money that you need. You've got a realtor. Um, you're ready to select a realtor. You need closing costs and we need to make sure that that realtor is going to work with you and they're a bulldog negotiator. So this is where Heather comes in. We're going to take a super quick break so that we can switch positions and I can take her seat on the couch. And when we get back, she's going to go through this with you. Again, remember that this is an interactive show. So if you guys have questions, do not hesitate. Put them into the feed. We're going to read them out loud and we're going to answer them for you. Hold tight. We'll be right back. Hi. This is Carrie Young with Mortgage Mom Radio. Did you know there are multiple home loan options available with little to no money down? Whether it's conventional, VA, FHA, USDA, or down payment assistance, let us find a loan that's right for you to get you into a home with minimal out-of-pocket expense. Give us a call. That number is 844-935-3634. That's 844-WE-LEND-FOR-YOU. That's W E. L-E-N-D, and the number four. Or visit our website. That's mortgagemomradio.com. Hi, guys. We're back, and I am Heather Kilpatrick. I am a team member here with Mortgage Mom Radio and Debbie Marcoux. I am going to be presenting the realtor section of this homebuyer workshop, and if you have any questions, please remember to put them in the feed. I'm more than happy to answer them for you. You've got the clicker. <laughs> so, I I okay. Do. Well, your realtor is the most important piece. It is. Yeah, your realtor is the most important piece. The lender's super important as well, but your realtor is somebody that you really want to have on your team. If you have a friend whose mom's brother's son's best friend's dog, you know, aunt is a realtor, and they're brand new, you kind of might want to think twice about it. Your realtor is a big, big part of the team. They are going to come in. They're going to show you properties that you want to see. You want to make sure that you tell your realtor what it is that you're looking for and what you are approved for. As lenders, we work with your realtor to let them know and keep them on track, you know, in the in the price range. So for example, if you're qualified for a house that's 500000 and your realtor is showing you 600000 might be doing you a disservice or a disadvantage because you're looking at houses that are over, over your price range and might not be able to find something that is in your price range. Also, if it's something where you do need to ask for closing costs, you want a realtor that's great with negotiations, is familiar with asking with closing costs, is familiar on how to get that for you, not somebody who's never done it before. You want to make sure they're familiar with all the different loan options that Debbie went over earlier, the FHAs, the VAs, the conventional. Um, that way they can help you when you go to get your loan. So they're going to take you out there and they're going to go ahead and they're going to show you different houses houses. You want to make sure you tell them how many bedrooms you need, bathrooms, do you need a yard, do you have a dog, what are your wants, you know, versus what are your needs. And you want to make sure that they're actually showing you what it is that you want and that you need. Okay, again, you don't want to look at something that doesn't fit your needs or is out of your price range. So you want to make sure that that's important. 
Once you get that and you've identified that home that you want, then your realtor is going to make sure that you guys write an offer on it. Generally, they'll call, they'll ask, are there any other offers? That way you know if you have some sort of competition going into it. If there are no other offers, maybe you have a little bit more leeway to get a lower price, to get some closing costs paid. Um, if the home needs repairs, maybe you can ask for it then. Um, hold um, on one second. Yeah. Oh, there it goes. Okay. No, sorry. It was showing oh. a black screen, so I was worried that when Mikey... Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, keep going. We're good. I, I, don't, I just don't want to mess up our workshop. <laughs> You're fine. Um, so you want to make sure that they know, you know what to ask for. And when you do go in, it's nice to know if you have others that are over there competing with that same house for you. So I, I didn't touch anything, and it just moved on me. <laughs> Are you ready for the next no, screen? No, hang yeah, tight. Okay. All right. Okay, good. So on the first little bubble here, it talks about um, your own representation. So we were talking about what it is that you want um, versus what it is that you need. You need to have three bedrooms because you have, you know, a couple of kids or you need to have roommates with you or your family lives with you, something like that, versus I would like to have a pool. So make sure that you know when you're going into buying a home what you really want versus what you really need in that home. Okay. That's super uh, important and also make sure that it is affordable to you, that it's in your price range. There are some times that we have people come to us and say, oh, I want to qualify for a home and we qualify them for, let's say 700,000. Maybe they don't want to make that payment. Maybe they're more comfortable at a purchase price of 650,000. They need to know that so that they're not writing on a home that's 700. We also have clients that come in and say, oh, I'd like to buy 700, but you know, they qualify for much less. And so we want to make sure that we keep you, you know, in you qualify so that when you do write that home there's not going to be any problems with the qualification of the home like Deb was talking about earlier with closing costs right now we're in a great market for buyers it's kind of shifted from a seller's market where everything was selling super fast for the past couple of years things were selling where people were waiving appraisals buyers were waiving home inspections they were just going in and giving the seller anything the seller wanted to get that home we are transitioning a little bit we're correcting a little bit now we're going into a little bit of a buyer's market where as a buyer because there are a little bit more inventory on the property on the market um, and the prices have kind of settled a little bit with the rates going up a smidge uh, as a buyer you can go in now and you can put that appraisal contingency back in make sure that the home that you're purchasing does appraise for the value that you've agreed to pay for it you can also go in and ask for some closing costs um, like Debbie was saying you know this can help either pay your closing costs maybe you want to buy your rate down maybe you're somebody who does have the money for the down payment and for your closing costs but getting a little bit of help from the seller would be great to buy that rate down to where you really want it to be that's possible as well um, so you want to make sure that that you have the agent in there for you on that you want to make sure what you know about and that you work with your agent together with your lender to get the things that you need on your new home so a couple things we're going to go to the next bubble it says experts in the marketplace we're going to talk a little bit about the realtors Again, you want to make sure that you have somebody who's a seasoned vet. Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not new. Um, you could have somebody that's been in the business for two years, but maybe they weren't licensed before, they were doing something else, that's fine. You just want to make sure your agent knows what you're looking for and knows the area. A lot of areas nowadays, especially with these new homes going in throughout the United States, they'll have some sort of a mellow ruse, which is uh, a special tax assessment on the home. A lot of times they're not real forthcoming with that. so. You want to make sure that your agent tells you about that. It could increase your, your mortgage payment monthly. 
you want to make sure that you know if it has a homeowners association. Maybe you're somebody that doesn't want to be told you can't paint your house light blue on the outside. Homeowners associations usually control that. They'll tell you what you can do with the outside of your property as far as painting goes, sometimes landscaping. Uh, a lot of times now with droughts in certain areas, especially in the west over here, um, they're real specific about what plants you can put in or what plants you can take out, even on resale homes. So if that's something that you don't want to have somebody control for you, then you want to stay out of an HOA area. You don't want to look in, in um, tracks with that HOA, so it's real important to that. If you're somebody who's looking for a condo uh, or a townhome, we need to know if there's any litigation in there. You know, maybe something, it's a newer building, something was wrong with the build and the contractor got sued, um, and now there's ongoing litigation. As lenders, we need to know that because that could affect the loan in there, and also it could affect you as a buyer long term. There might be some sort of special assessment assessed later on, so you want to make sure you know that so you're not paying additional fees every month on top of the HOA. Another thing, if you're a condo or a townhome purchaser or buyer you're looking, if you have an FHA loan or a VA loan, we need to make sure that that condo or that townhome track is actually approved for FHA or VA. A lot of times they're not approved, but that's okay. You got a question from oh. Heidi. She Hi, says, Heidi. what is a special assessment? Great question. So a special assessment and... It used to only be known as a Melarus about 20, 15 years ago. And what that is, now they're known as a Melarus, a community development fee, a landscape maintenance fee. You might hear it in all different types of terms. And what it is, is it's an assessment that the built that comes from the builder um, when the properties are being built and it's forwarded on to the home buyer and it goes from every buyer on after that. Generally, you don't see it end. Sometimes there is a bond term, which means it could be 30 years or 40 years, and after that time, then it will end. But what it is, is it's a special assessment assessed to the property, generally in the tax, tax bill, it's an additional tax, that you, the homeowner, pay for the property. So sometimes we used to see it in the early 90s, builders didn't want to pay for uh, street lights or fire hydrants, they wanted to keep the costs of the property down. So instead of paying out several hundred thousand dollars for these items ahead of time, they built it into the cost of the home. So instead of having say a 1.25% tax rate, that additional assessment would maybe make it 1.35 or 1.4 or higher. So it's just a special assessment on your taxes that you pay to have some sort of feature um, that's in the community. It is not an HOA. It's completely separate from your homeowners association. I hope that helped. Are we good? I think it's good. Keep going. Okay, perfect. So we were back to um, FHA and VA approval. So if you're looking for a condo or a townhome, the first thing your agent needs to know, again, why you want to have an agent that's knowledgeable, um, is the property approved with the FHA or with VA? If it's not an approved complex, it doesn't mean that you can't buy in there. As lenders, we do have the ability to do spot approvals, which means this unit may not be FHA or VA approved right now, but if you give us a couple weeks, usually what, about 10 days maybe? 14? For the spot approval, we need about 10 days. VA approval is totally different. That yeah. is a full complex approval. Yeah, yeah, that is a complex approval. But um, if you give us a little bit of time, then sometimes we can get those units approved. Not always, but we've had some pretty good success with it, I would say. Okay, and Heidi did ask you one mm -hmm. more question about those special assessments. Yeah. She asked, can it go up after I buy my house? 
Generally, they do not go up. Generally, they're set, but it really depends now on the builder and it depends on what the builder um, created when they built the property. I don't generally see them go up. I generally see them stay about the same percentage. However, there are some that I'm aware of that were bonds that were for 17 years or 20 years and those homes were built in the 80s. So obviously that time has passed and now that bond is gone. I have seen that, but generally I haven't seen them go up. It doesn't mean they can't. It just means we haven't seen it. That's not typically what it's there for. Okay, the next question is, can my HOA fee go up? Absolutely. So your HOA fee, it's a homeowners association is what it stands for. And what they do is that association oversees the whole community, um, that whole property. So if again, there was a litigation, if they need additional funds to, uh, to fight that litigation or to um, proceed with the litigation, they could raise the dues. If the cost, usually there's some sort of landscaping or maybe a community pool and spa, maybe you're gated. If any of those costs go up, your HOA costs could go up. They're usually reassessed about every year. Um, when you are buying a home, you do get a copy of what we call the CCNRs, which are covenants, uh, conditions, and restrictions. You will get a copy of the budget. You will get a copy of the financials. So you can see over the past couple of years how much money have they brought in versus how much they've paid out, and has that gone up, as well as has that forced an increase um, on your dues. It is very typical to see HOAs go up, usually not every year, but maybe every couple of years. And it's not always giant. I mean, no, there's a lot. It, Ten dollars, right? It, it's it, like, for example, my old home mm -hmm. that we were in. Our HOA dues since bucks? the time. Well, yeah, we were at fifty one dollars yeah. by the time that we moved. Mm -hmm. And that home, when in in the nineties, mm -hmm. when I was selling that tract in the nineties, yeah. was I think thirty five dollars. Yes. So from the nineties to twenty twenty one, when I sold it, it had gone up from like thirty five dollars to fifty one dollars. Yeah, so it, they don't always go no. up significantly. I mean, something major could happen. I'm sure. Yeah. The only time you ever see them really go up is if there's some sort of lawsuit. I know in like nineteen ninety four, we had an earthquake here in Los Angeles. It damaged a lot of buildings uh, and the HOAs for a lot of the townhomes and the um, and the condos. You did see go up because there were lawsuits against builders. But typically what they did is they added a second fee onto that and called it like an assessment so that once that fee was done, it was gone and it didn't impact the HOA dues. But you generally will see it kind of like a cost of living increase. That's the best way to explain it is as the, the items go up to maintain the pool, to maintain the landscape, to maintain the guards. Maybe you have an actual guard that gates uh, or a uh, person that guards your gated area. As those go up, you might typically see that a little bit. But remember, it's for every unit in the complex um, or the area, not just yours. So it's spread out over everybody. So it tends to be light. We good on that? Yeah. Cool. Uh, the last thing most important is make sure you are in the school district that you want to be in. Um, as realtors, generally, we don't tell you what school district is what simply because the school districts redo their boundaries all the time. So if you are concerned, if you want your child to be in a specific school, make sure you call that district and ask them, say, hey, I'm interested in 123 ABC Street. Um, what school district is this in? Uh, they are usually glad to give you a map so you can see where everything is so you can make sure that you're looking in the right property area. Okay, now we can slide. <laughs> 
All right. So for California, this is our sample. It's called it's a uh, car, which is your California Association of Realtors. It's standard all throughout the state of California. Um, I know Nevada has different ones. Texas has different um, uh, purchase agreements as well. But this is a purchase agreement. It's generally on a form like this. It's not something downloadable from the Internet if you're working with an agent. And this is going to tell you everything that you need to know about the property as far as what you're purchasing it for, how much money are you putting down, what's your loan amount, what's your interest rate. So you really need to have all of that information from your lender before you write the offer so that you're putting the correct information down. You don't want to tell the seller, hey, I'm doing 20% down conventional when no, you're doing a 3.5% down FHA. <laughs> you want to make sure that you tell them exactly what type of loan you're doing. And also on this, ask for anything that you want. If you want to have them, you know, do a termite inspection, um, you can ask for it here. You want to make sure you get your appraisal in there. Super important. Home warranty. Home warranty. You can ask for that. You can ask for additional coverage on that for sure. Anything that you want included with that house, whether it be a term or, you know, a washer, dry refrigerator has to be in the contract. Has to. Okay. So this is kind of like the whole step-by-step um, -step process of purchasing a home. So you've gone out, you know, you've talked to Debbie or Carrie or Cindy or me or Heidi, um, and we've given you an approval and said, you know, go find a home. So now you've looked at it, you found it, you've written your offer and your offer's been accepted. What do you do? And a lot of people don't really realize that Typically, you don't do any inspections or appraisals until after you're in escrow. Some people tend to think that that's something that you do prior to going into escrow or prior to writing an offer, and that's generally not the way that it goes. Generally, you're gonna write an offer on the property, it's gonna be accepted, and you wanna make sure that it's accepted before you put out any money for an appraisal um, you know, or any type of inspections. I will preface this by saying there are differences for if you're looking at a probate or a trust property, um, those can be different. So just know if you have questions if you're looking at a probate or a trust, um, that that can be different where you do have to do those up front and I'm more than happy to answer that. Question? Nope. Okay. So. Um, so then once you get into escrow, what's going to happen is you're going to go ahead and your realtor is going to open your escrow for you. They're going to contact escrow and say, hi, my name is, my client is, and then they're going to ask you to put your EMD in. And you're like, what's my EMD, right? That's your earnest money deposit. Now, your deposit is different than your down payment. Your deposit is a small percentage of the purchase price that you are putting down on the property to show the seller that you are serious about purchasing their home that seller is taking their house off the market for you so they want to know that you're serious so sometimes it's one percent of the purchase price sometimes it can be up to three percent of the purchase price or anywhere in between it is negotiable um, and that is something that uh, if it's important to you you want to negotiate on a VA offer where you're like wait a minute Heather I'm not putting any money down that's perfectly fine usually you'll see the EMD or the earnest money a little bit lower maybe five hundred or a thousand dollars and you will get that back at the close of escrow. So don't worry if you're doing a USDA um, or a VA loan and you're not putting any money down, that's perfectly fine. Um, again, this is something that you're telling the seller, I'm serious about purchasing your home. Thank you for taking it off the market for me. Here's my deposit. Where it becomes important is when you 
make your offer on the property, you're going to ask the seller for some contingencies. You're going to say, look, I'm going to do a home inspection. I want to ascertain the condition of this property. I want to know what condition it is in, what needs to be repaired, what's fine, what's perfect. Um, you're also going to do an appraisal contingency, which means that somebody's going to come in a neutral third party. They're going to appraise the property, which means give you a neutral third party valuation of the property based on the area comparables. And a comparable is something that's listed in escrow or sold um, what that property is worth to make sure that it is worth what you're paying for it. If you agreed to pay 450 and an appraiser says 460, that's awesome. You are still paying 450. The value or the price does not go up. However, if an appraiser comes in and says, we know you offered 450, but we gave the value 440, then you would have a problem. So you want to make sure that, you know, you get that appraised value. If an appraisal comes in lower, then you've agreed to purchase it at. So for example, I wrote the offer, 450,000. Appraisal comes in and says, based on these area comparables, this house is only worth 440,000, we're 10,000 off. There are a couple different options that you can do for that. And you wanna make sure again, that your realtor knows how to negotiate for you because you can ask the seller to come down to 440. You can negotiate with the seller to split the difference where you agree at a sales price of 445 you bring in you know, some extra money, or the seller can say, absolutely, we're not doing anything, and then you would either have to come in with a difference or you can cancel. So, do you have a question? Yeah, we, <laughs> we got a question. Um, so Nancy asks, EMD is above and beyond down and closing cost, question mark? It is not a great question. Not above and beyond. So basically what happens is your earnest money, let's say you put $5,000 in, when you go to close escrow, that $5,000 will go towards a credit towards your closing costs. So say, for example, your total closing costs and down payment at the time of funding is $30,000. You have a $5,000 deposit in there. We're going to take that $5,000, credit it towards that $30,000. And now instead of bringing in $30,000, you would bring in $25,000. If you're doing a loan where you're not putting any money down and the sellers paid all of your closing costs, then that $5,000 would go back to you after the close of escrow. After escrow's closed it, they will send you a, usually a check back. They could wire if that's what you ask them for. Perfect. Hope that answers. Yep. Was there one more? Nope. Okay, cool. <laughs> so you've got your contingencies in there. You put your deposit in. We've done our home inspection. Everything looks great. We've done our appraisal. Came in at value. Perfect. We're moving right along. And usually this is about the first week and a half to two weeks of your escrow process, um, doing your inspections and your appraisal. If something comes back on an inspection or if the appraisal comes in under value and you cannot agree with the sellers, you have what's called a contingency. That contingency basically says, I agree to buy your home subject to the appraised value coming in, subject to my approval of, your, uh, of the home inspection. If you have an HOA area, you are going to get all those documents like I told you about. It's about this thick usually, <laughs> many, many pages. Uh, make sure that you at least skim through them if not read them. Um, if any one of those things you have an issue with, you want to tell your agent immediately. That agent is going to go to the seller and basically say, you know what, my, my client saw that this house needs a new roof and needs new plumbing. It's more than they can take on. Or, you know, my client 
you know, can't agree to pay higher value or my client doesn't like the HOA documents. They don't agree that they can't park their truck on the street, whatever it is. They're going to um, exercise your contingency period and they're going to say, I'm sorry, but we're canceling this escrow. And based upon that, as long as you do it within the timeframes agreed upon by you and the seller, you can get your earnest money deposit back. You get that money that you put into escrow back. You each go your separate ways. No harm, no foul. Is there a question? Nope. Oh, you look like it. <laughs> I'm over here kind of seeing you out of the corner of my eye. So once everything goes through, you've passed all your contingencies, home inspection's great, appraisal came in, HOA docs are fine, um, you know, everything is, is really great. Now we're just working on the loan. As a lender, we're getting in the appraisal, we're getting in the final documents, you're in underwriting, everything's great on the loan. You're gonna sign off on your contingencies. You're gonna sit down with your realtor and say, hey, we've gone through all the disclosures, everything looks great, I love this house, I'm going forward. Once you sign off on your contingencies, whether it's a loan contingency, an inspection contingency, appraisal, you are now committed to that property. It doesn't mean that you can't back out. It means if you cancel after the contingency removal, you will lose your deposit to the seller. Whatever amount of money that you have in there, if it's 5,000, 1,000, 500, it will stay with the seller as a good faith. Hey, we removed our contingencies whatever happened, now I need to cancel. It doesn't mean that the seller can't authorize to give it to you back. If something tragic happens to you in an escrow, which we've had before, a lot of times the seller will understand and say, you know what, we, we get it. But just know that the seller after that contingency removal does not have to give you your deposit back. They can keep it as the good faith for them taking their property off the market and giving you the time to do all of that. Uh, one thing that's on here is termite. We were talking about it a little bit. It used to be an inspection that the seller paid for. Uh, over the last couple of years, it's an ins it's become an inspection that the buyer pays for. Um, a lot of times, I'm not seeing them done. I really, really recommend that you do them. And it doesn't matter where you live in the United States. Termites can be immensely costly. If you have wood decks, if you have you know any type of wood construction, um, there's subterranean that get underneath the concrete out here. You know we have concrete slabs in Southern California. They get under that. Houses have to be tent you know, you can be talking anywhere in upwards of twenty, thirty thousand dollars depending on what you have, if you have covered patios or gazebos. Super important. On average, I see them about five, six, seven thousand dollars if they have to go in and tent a house. So it can be real costly. I recommend you don't waive them. Um, I recommend you do them. It's a, it's usually about a hundred dollars to do them. So just make sure that you know. A lot of times they'll say, Oh, you don't need a termite inspection. Um, and on some of the loans you do, like VA, it's required. Um, on FHA, it's optional. If you write it in that contract, then it becomes part of that contract. And if there are repairs that need to be done, we're going to call them out and tell you that you have to do them. So just make sure um, that you know that. It would be a repair. Again, it's negotiable with the seller. Um, they can or cannot pay for it. They can agree to pay for some, all, half, none. Um, and then that would be a contingency as well in your, your inspections that you could cancel on if you wanted to. Awesome. So we don't have any additional questions. Okay. Remember, guys, if you have any questions at all that you want us to go back to, please put those into the feed. More than happy to, um, you know, read them out loud and, and answer them for you. Um, but with that, I believe that we're in escrow. We are. Right. So <laughs> yes. so tell us tell us about it, Heather. What now we're in. So so and, and let me just kind of preface everybody, mm -hmm. you know, let's bring this. Let's hone this in for a minute. So. Sure. You called Mortgage Mom. Mm -hmm. You did your consult. Mm -hmm. You figured out you could actually buy sooner than what you thought. Yeah. 
So we went through the pre-approval process. We figured out that the best loan for you is an FHA. So you went and you found a real estate agent that was willing to work with you with your FHA loan. And we, the reason you're ready right now, even though you didn't think you were going to be, is because we're going to get somebody to negotiate those closing costs for you to pay them for you. So the money that you have is going to work right now instead of waiting another six months. Mm -hmm. And so now you went out, you looked, you found the home, you got super excited, you wrote the contract, the seller accepted it. And in the eight escrow states in, in the U.S., you know, you're mm-hmm. going to be told by your real estate agent, you're now an escrow. Yes. Now in the states that don't do escrow, you're going to be told you're, you know, we're opening title. Yes. You're under contract. Yes. You're in your contingency term. All the same thing. Whatever those <laughs> words are that they're utilizing in your area, mm-hmm. now what? What happens? I, we did everything. Yes. Contract accepted. Go. Okay, so we were just talking about the the contingencies. And once you open escrow, you're going to have a certain amount of time per your contract to get your contingencies going. That is going to happen simultaneously with your escrow. So we're, we talked about the contingencies, which is your real estate section of it. Your realtor is going to handle your home inspection, your termite inspection. The realtors are going to handle uh, meeting the appraiser. So that's all kind of your real estate side. Then escrow for us as lenders is a little bit different. Immediately call us and give us your contract. Don't wait a day or two or what have you. Once you get that offer signed off, your agent should be contacting us saying, hey, we got an offer accepted. We're super excited. They're going to send us a copy of that. Immediately once we get that, we're going to start rolling um, on getting your loan going. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to get your documents updated if we need them. Maybe, you know, you've been looking for a month or so. We need to get some updated pay stubs, some updated bank statements, whatever it is. We're also going to immediately get you, um, you know, talking about your rate, get your rate locked. Then we're going to get out your disclosures to you. Now, your disclosures are super important because like Debbie mentioned earlier, it's going to have your LE or your loan estimate, and that's going to show you what the the cost of purchasing this home is going to be, what your loan fees are. At this point, we're estimating your escrow and your title. Generally, at this point, we don't have their actual costs. Escrow and title fees are not the same as lender fees. Escrow fees, title fees, attorney fees are separate to the companies that service this escrow. We do our best to estimate. Usually, I would say we overestimate, which is better. Um, And then we're going to show you, here's what your rate is, here's what your payment is, here's what all of your costs are. You're going to say, gosh, thanks, I totally approve. You're going to e-sign those documents. And once we do that, then that gives us the next step where we're going to get your appraisal ordered. So when we order the appraisal, we do our best to get it out, you know, within the first couple of days. Um, Appraisers are a third party. We don't ever talk with them. We don't have any communications with them. A lot of times people say, well, can't you just call them and tell them? No. Um, As lenders, we are not allowed to talk with them generally as a realtor we're not allowed to talk with them either it can be just you know very simple hi how are you um, some realtors will provide them with comparables saying hey this is why I think the value is or they'll give them a list of upgrades but they really can't say this property has to come in at 440 or 450 whatever it's sold for we're not allowed to do that so just remember that um, It's a third party valuation of your property. It needs to be ordered as fast as we can because we are on that appraiser's timeframe. If you're in certain areas where the market's still busy, um, normally we would say about seven days. It could take longer than that. So we need to get that ordered as soon as possible. Um, We also wanna make sure that you're getting your deposit into escrow. We talked about your EMD. Once that gets in, we get a copy of that. Um, You know, and now we're moving forward with your loan. We're starting to process your loan. 
loan. We're collecting all those documents, getting uh, everything signed, getting your appraisal ordered, and getting your loan from processing once we gather everything into underwriting. Generally, um, once you get into underwriting, then that underwriter is going to come back. They'll send us back the file and say, hey, we're missing this or this or this. Um, usually it's something for us that's pretty, pretty simple. Uh, Heidi does an amazing job of processing. We're all really good about getting our stuff in so that we can get your loan done as fast as possible. At this time in escrow, that's what's going on with lending. Um, at the same time, this is when you're doing your home inspections. This is when you're doing, maybe you want to do a roof inspection or plumbing inspection. You're doing your termite inspection. So this is all happening simultaneously we're on one side doing something you you know your realtors on the other side doing something um, so you want to go through and do all that I will note because there's a note down here and I love this because it reminds me um, home inspectors don't have to be licensed contractors um, they can be members of different associations but here in California they don't have to be a licensed contractor I don't believe they do in a bunch of other states so if that's something that concerns you you know you want to make sure that you get somebody who's reputable if you want a contractor some of them are just kind of keep that in mind um, when you are getting your deposit into escrow um, the best way to do it is to wire it whenever you're talking funds with escrow whether it be your initial deposit or whether it be um, bringing in your your money to fund at the end wiring is always the best um, it goes directly from your account to escrow's account they will give you wiring instructions um, we're really tight on wiring instructions these days because you know there is a lot of um, you know problems as far as fraud and stuff so you always want to make sure that you speak with your escrow company and you get your um, specific information it doesn't come from us as a lender it comes from your escrow company um, they'll provide you with the account and the routing and such when you do that that money hits immediately pretty much that that day the next day possibly the second day after if you were to give a, a check or a money order or a bank order it can delay because the money goes in and it has to sit and wait for that check you know to clear a lot of times people will ask us can we give them a check for you know money being brought in at the end most escrow companies don't allow that because of the time constraints on a check or money order cashier's check so be prepared to have to go to your um, bank and wire the money directly to escrow if you have an online bank and we've kind of run into this uh, recently or you have a smaller bank you want to make sure up front that you can wire from them to the escrow company that they're not going to re require that you do it some other way so i will state that as well as if you have online banking you want to make sure that you are free to wire to an escrow company um, and it doesn't have to go somewhere else first um, you can't use cash <laughs> you're not taking a wheelbarrow full of pennies not gonna happen um, escrow doesn't take any form of cash at all um, so you want to make sure that you're prepared there again don't write a personal check cashier's check you need to be able to show evidence it it takes too long to do the cashier's check and the personal check because a lot of them now can have stop payments put on them so generally they will require waiting time uh, as well so just make sure that you're prepared to wire Okay, so um, Heidi did ask, what if I am getting a gift for all my funds to purchase? Great question, Heidi. So if you are getting a gift and the money is coming from, you know, family member, mom's loaning you the money or not loaning, is gifting you the money or dad's gifting you the money, brother, sister, what have you. Um, 
we don't want them to put the money in right away. <laughs> Always contact us, ask us how to do it, we'll direct you. But generally, if you are getting a gift, we will tell you, and that's something that we would talk with you about in the initial process of the loan. So we know and you know, and you're prepared with your realtor on how to handle this. Um, we will give you specific instructions for them to wire directly to escrow the funds that they're gifting to you. So if mom's gifting you uh, $10,000 for your first time home, um, mom will wire her funds directly directly from her account to the escrow account. Um, that way it makes it a little bit easier. There's no paperwork. If mom by chance gave you the funds ahead of time and you put them in your bank, that's fine too. A little bit more paperwork for us to do uh, and for mom to do, but that's absolutely fine too. And we can talk with you about that as well. So you actually answered her question before yeah. she asked it. She said, should I should I get the gift sent to me, then send it to escrow? Easier to set for for parent or family to send it directly to escrow. Um, otherwise, we do have to trace the funds, which basically means showing it go from you know family member's account to your account, and then from there forward, much easier just for family member to wire it into escrow directly. Okay, that was the last question. Yeah, perfect. Uh, slide. All right. <laughs> okay. So closing your loan. So right now you've you wrote your offer, you got your deposit in, you're over here doing your inspections while lenders over here doing our our part, getting your loan going. Everything's going through, and then all of a sudden we come through and and we're meshing together. Everything looks great. Contingencies are removed. Your loan has underwriting approval. So then you're gonna go ahead once you get your underwriting approval and we're gonna send you out a CD, which is your closing disclosure, learned that earlier. Um, and your CD is gonna give you all, pretty much all your final information, you know, what your rate is again, what your payment is, what your escrow fees and loan fees are, um, your title fees, your attorney fees, depending on what state you're in. Um, it's gonna give you all of that information on there for you. You're gonna go through and say, yes, this looks great. You're gonna sign it. As Deb mentioned earlier, um, there is a three-day waiting period, so once you get that you want to make sure that you sign your CD ASAP I like that CD ASAP um, so that can start the time frame so that we can get you in line you know to get your your loan documents out um, after those three days have passed we are going to get your loan documents out to escrow they do not go directly to you as the borrower they go to escrow once escrow gets them they're gonna do what's called packaging them which just basically means putting all your documents that you still need to sign together and then you're either depending on where you're at you're either going to go in um, and sit around and meet everybody and sign everything or escrow is going to send generally a traveling notary to you to sign everything. I know in Las Vegas um, escrows prefer the borrowers come in and sign at escrow. So just depending on where you're at, um, we have Texas, they meet around the table, do it all together on the day of funding. Just depends where you're at on how that will go. Um, once your loan documents are signed, they come back to us as the lender and then um, we go ahead and do what's called funding your loan, which means we provide the money um, for you to have the loan on the property. And then again, depending on where you are, if you're in Southern California, um, Los Angeles particularly, you have to wait one full day. They don't do like a recording special uh, to record. So for example, if you fund on a, fund on a Monday, you'll record it on a Tuesday. Um, other counties will do them simultaneously. Other counties will do them the same day. So depending on where you're looking, what state, what county, you're either gonna fund and record the same day, which means you now own that home, or um, the day, the one day and then the following day you'll record. 
Okay, so one question uh, Heidi asked, she says, uh, w would that be the same on all loan types? So we're going to go back to the gift okay. and I'm just going to answer quickly. The very easiest way to possibly get a gift, no matter what kind of loan that you are doing is please God almighty, <laughs> send the money directly to yeah, title well. escrow, who, wherever it is going for whatever state that you're in. Yeah. The other thing I do want to mention is that, as I said, Heidi's in Arizona, mm -hmm. Carrie's in Tennessee. Cindy's in Idaho, Every, you know, we've got people everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. um, Chris, Kristen's in Texas. Yep. If you are in a state that is not an escrow state, every single time that Heather used the word escrow, interchange it with title because yes. it's exactly the same thing. You're sending yes. money to title, not to escrow. When title opens the transaction, um, mm -hmm. the only difference being that some of the attorney states like Illinois, you will actually with your attorney, mm -hmm. seller, seller's attorney, title company will all go into the title office, sit around a table and sign together. So it does depend on where you are, but yes. you can interchange the word escrow mm -hmm. for title. Mm -hmm. Heather's just a, a California yeah. girl. <laughs> well, and it's hard for me to say escrow title attorney because then yeah. you start confusing. Right. But I, I know that, you know, we had a client in Florida too in Davenport and that was an attorney and the attorney handled everything. They they were the title company. They were the attorney for it. They were So in that situation, I used the word attorney. So, but just not to confuse you like, oh my gosh, I'm in California or Las Vegas and I have to have an attorney? N no. <laughs> no, but and you're e even in yeah. like a Florida state where it yes. is an attorney state or mm -hmm. Illinois where it's an attorney state, you will actually not be wiring your money to the attorney. The money no. is still going to the title company right. who is receiving the money. Believe it or not, even here in California, yeah. you are opening escrow. You have a neutral third party that is handling and taking instruction from all parties. But when you wire your money in, your wire is actually going to title. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. And so that's super important. And that's it. Once you, depending on what state you're at, if you're all around the table, everybody shakes hands and keys pass and you get it there. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, generally what will happen is once you record, um, then recording means you own the home. Some people will say close escrow or close title. Um, but once you record on the property, your agent will meet with you um, and give you the keys. It just depends on where you're at. And then the property is yours. Congratulations. <laughs> I think we did it. Yeah, for sure. I think we did it. Mm -hmm. 